Welcome, welcome, welcome to Bard's Backlog, episode number 19? Oh my goodness, I don't have my notes in front of me, so I don't remember. Here, quick search here, I can figure out what this episode number is. And totally off, 17. (laughs) It feels like 19, but we are on episode 17 here of Bard's Backlog. I am your host, Josh Gallegos, joined by the beautiful Jared Benson. Jared, how are you doing? My friend, I am good. I wouldn't say that I'm beautiful, but I am good. Oh, I I beg to differ with you on that. (laughs) You're like the, the young crimson chin. The young crimson chin. I'll take it. I'll take it. (laughs) You get all the babes, you know? People like that crimson chin. My girlfriend does make fun of me for having a butt chin, so that's fair, actually. You do, but it's not an egregious one. That's correct. correct. But it is is a quality of yours that people certainly notice. (laughs) I will say. I'm trying to think of, like, a celebrity that has, like, a really intense butt chin nothing's coming to mind right now the first guy that comes to my mind as far as super intense butt chin is the um kind of like the sailor guy from Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea i can't remember his real name he's played in other things oh he's the guy who plays hank pym he plays hank pym in ant-man so he's got i know who you're talking about i can't think of his name either yeah he's got a beard in the movie but if you see him right twenty thousand leagues he's got a huge butt chin it's well it's dimple chin whatever but it's very noticeable all I can think of is the beautiful Squidward, if you've seen that SpongeBob episode. Yep. Oh, yeah. Now that's a compliment right there. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to get on my good side. Compare you to beautiful Squidward. Yes, yes. <laughs> so how's Oklahoma? How's the how's the girlfriend? How's the job? Everything going well out there? Yeah, yeah. The girlfriend is good. She's got a big promotion, so she's got more work but more reward to it. She loves it. She loves what she's doing. Uh, I'm in limbo. It's funny. My dad asked me, said he described me to one of his business friends the other day. He says, yeah, my son's getting, uh, getting his ma- his MBA while he delivers pizza. So <laughs> that's what I'm nice. doing. I'm getting my MBA while I deliver pizza. And uh, no, it's good. Uh, the people in Oklahoma remain friendly. I still haven't met someone who's been nasty. It's been good. Um, and we've had a stretch of, uh, you know, um, wind, not, uh, windy, windy, cool days. So like windy days in like the 60 degrees. It's been super, super yeah. nice. So I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, those Great Plains winds are a real deal. Pretty constant out there. Yeah, but it's been is, good. Is the uh, state as a whole pretty lax on restrictions? I don't know much about Oklahoma. No, so compared to Florida, they take it more seriously. So I would okay. almost describe Florida at, like politically as conservative. They're pretty Bible Belt. They're you know pretty you know, conservative, whereas Oklahoma, I would almost describe as like neoconservative. It's kind of like, we're going to, huh. we're going to be a little bit more collectivist in our mindset. We're going to be conservative. Um, and, but I really haven't seen the crazy, I don't even want to say crazy. Like, I don't know. I haven't seen really aggressive conservatism. And to me, neoconservatism is like this more mainstream, more uh, um, palatable version of conservatism that, you know, is easier to agree with. The aggressive conservatism is more Florida style. Does that make sense? Maybe that's not a very yeah. good description. No, that makes sense. That's how I felt with things. So when people say, you know, wear a mask, it doesn't bother anyone to put on a mask when they go into a business. I sure. say anyone, obviously you've got your extremes, but what I mean is like the videos of people freaking out about wearing a mask aren't coming from Oklahoma. <laughs> so let's put it that way. Makes sense. 
Yeah. Cool. Well, glad things are going well for you out there. Thank uh, you, friend. Been, Thank you. Been keeping you in my thoughts and prayers. So, how are you keeping uh, my my old town of Pensacola, my friend? <laughs> it's it's I'm keeping it intact. Good. <laughs> um, actually, we we've been looking at potentially moving into the apartment complex that you and Lucy were at. Okay. Potentially, we'll see. I haven't gotten to ask you about it and hear your pros and cons about it yet, but. Um, it seems like a pretty affordable option and it's pretty close to the school. So thinking about transitioning out there probably sometime in the summer. Yeah. Yeah. It's affordable and they do a seven month option. If you know, you're, you're kind of in between or something along those lines, your timeline doesn't okay. line up just right. Uh, they're, they're pretty good. They have discounts for military. Obviously that's not you. And then the location to the highway is actually really good. It's just a left and then up the road to jump on the highway going either East or, or West. And then right you know, location of the campus too is really nice. So yeah, it wasn't bad. They, they treated us pretty good. They do landscaping pretty regularly and, um, you know, a quiet neighborhood. It wasn't super loud. I didn't have any issues with neighbors or anything. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, so we're thinking about moving there. Uh, school's going fine, really just plugging along, trying to stay on top of everything. I'm, I'm super behind in my class, which is like, the last thing on my mind pretty much every day um, <laughs> just because I'm because I'm getting out of the degree that I'm getting. So it's like I do not care. But I got oh, news man. the other day that I may need to if I get the withdraw, if I go for that W and do it for the, you know, the date that it'll cause me to get an F as opposed to a W. Um, I thought that I could just do that and be fine. But I was informed the other day by someone who's not in the administration, it's just another student, so I'm not sure if it's 100% accurate, but it did kind of scare me a little bit, that if I do that, that I may need to pay for the course. Mm. So I'm now scrambling and trying to catch up, and I'm like a month and a half behind. Oh, man. So doing that slowly but surely. And you know, like... I, I've been thinking a lot, talking about Pensacola, I've been thinking a lot about just trying to get to know the area a little better. Most of my knowledge comes from my bus routes and just like street names and stuff. I've been able to get down in a pretty broad area thanks to that, but like, I don't know what they're like, what the great attractions are. I don't know where the great restaurants are, at least not on the level that I want to. So like just... The other day I was joining a Facebook group for like buying and selling and they asked me a couple of like local Pensacola questions and I was like, I have no idea. They're like, what's the bridge on 17th Avenue or something like that? Um, the, and like, what's, what's the, the nickname for that? Graffiti bridge, bro. Right. And I, <laughs> I didn't know that. I had to look it up because I was like, I don't know. Um, and then they asked with the, how oh, was the other question? What, what gas station is right on like once you get to pensacola beach what gas station is right there um so like little things like that i guess are supposed to be like local knowns and i don't know so i'm feeling a little inadequate as a pensacolaan <laughs> pensacolite uh so trying to work on that and you know this this city's got a rich history so there's a lot there to dig up and it's old and it's decrepit yeah. but it's unique they claim that they're the oldest, uh, I guess, Spanish settlement in the United States. Maybe it's not Spanish. It could just be whatever. But no, it's Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. But but they they claim that they're the oldest. But the problem is that they got wiped out and then right. no one was living there for a while. And so 
technically St. Augustine, if you count the wipeout, is the oldest. Does that make sense? So the two cities yeah. are like rivals of each other. So, so uh, you know, some of the history, there's some history there. But no, I, I, by the time I left Pensacola, I was, I didn't, you know, I didn't need a GPS to get anywhere. I knew where everything was. And that's a cool feeling to have like mastered your own domain. So yeah, I, right. I definitely recommend it. Do the big loop. Like the big loop's really easy to do. You just go down, um, take a maybe mobile highway or something along those lines and just swing into Cervantes, do scenic and then ninth Avenue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ninth, not ninth Avenue. Um, scenic uh, does connect to ninth. But. It does, yeah, but like up further, nine mile, that's what I meant to say, nine mile, and okay. you can get a really good idea of your directions and where you're facing if you do that big old loop, and it's good for a conversation too and a good drive, so. Yeah, uh, I'll have to take yeah. Karina because she's very directionally challenged. Yeah, all those streets that you just mentioned, our buses go on those routes, so like, I, I semi know the area because of that, but just haven't personally gotten to experience it. Uh, Don Tristan de Luna settled Pensacola. It's America's first settlement. That's what I'm reading right here off of Google. <laughs> so I want to put that up there. And yeah, it got wiped out by a hurricane. Typical. So in any case, this is Bard's Backlog, the ever-growing catalog of video games inducted into the Hall of Games. We, Jared and I, are the gatekeepers and subsequent executioners of any video game candidate, including today's. Right in. We have an email now, askvgb at gmail.com, where you can write in questions, ideas for uh, particular segments, or any thoughts on the game of the week, or any other games that you'd like us to cover on the podcast. Again, that's askvgb at gmail.com. Jared, I did notice that you have been slightly active on Twitter again, so of course you can reach out to us there as well, at VideoGameBard and at Jared T. Ben. Question, Jared. Thinking about just this new addiction that I've had, not new, but renewed addiction in anime recently. And before we jump into the games we play in, I just had a personal opinion question here for you. What do you think, Jared, is the best or what is your favorite anime opening song? Oh, opening? There is... So the, the opening song, yeah, the theme song, the, there is just some specific vibe that anime specifically has with those opening songs that no other medium can quite capture. And I've, I've fallen in love with several over the course of my time watching anime, and I have I fell deep into watching some anime again these last few weeks, and that has actually pulled from away from the time that I would have been spending playing video games, nonetheless... It is what it is. Yeah. Um, but just relishing some of these openings, I was curious what you would say is one of the best, or at least which one is your favorite. So my favorite show of all time is Code Geass. Um, and I would say that the Code Geass opening is so memorable. Absolutely. As soon as you hear it, be like, Code Geass, Lelouch, that's my boy. So that one's super memorable. I don't know that it's good necessarily. One of my favorites is the Hunter Hunter opening. Um, when that the singer hits that super high note, like, oh, chills down your spine, man. All right, I'm ready to activate some Nen. That's a really good one. Um, the Attack on Titan, I want to say first season is classic. really, really, is really classic. Yeah, that's a oh, good yeah. one. Um, and then My Hero, 
out of their how many seasons are they on there are they are we coming up on season five i think i can't remember yeah coming up on season five is about to air i think in the next couple weeks season one and season two openings were really good and maybe i'm wrong like maybe i have that wrong but a couple of the my hero songs were really good um those are really the only ones that come to mind i do want to butt in because I would say the Code Geass one, I think it's the second season first one. It's like Yes. I don't know which particular opening that one is, but that one's my favorite from Code Geass. And then my favorite my hero one is for the arc where All Might faces against uh All for One. Dude. That whole like build up to that <laughs> that yep. opening song literally gave me chills almost oh, every time. So good, dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's two fantastic. different songs for Code Geass. The first season is my favorite, but yeah, the second season's also pretty good. Just classic. They're very, very memorable. Yeah, um, and then for I would sure. also say honorable mention goes to the Tokyo Ghoul opening, which is just haunting. Um, okay. So that one's that one's pretty good too. So, how about you? What I do you would, think? I would say for mine. So I, I was thinking a lot about this because I got super into Jujutsu Kaisen and I just finished that up. The show just ended on Friday. It was a very sad, heart-wrenching thing to be done with that show because I just fell in love and couldn't stop watching it. But both of the openings for season one were just like just so great, I thought. And I was like, man, I don't like I'm trying to think through like other ones that were this good, especially for the start of a show. And Thinking back on it a little bit, like I do think I was kind of caught up in the hype of Jujutsu Kaisen and ha- you know kind of got swept away with it because there are some that really stick out to me. I'd say my favorite, if I have to be honest, is actually the opening to Soul Eater. Okay, okay. That one is the most hype. It is the most... It's not... Um, it, it just like perfectly captures the tone And it's this, again, the whole show is, like, dark but humorous and uh, has, like, very childish-looking characters that turn into, like, monstrosities and they're, like, fighting each other to the death and stuff. And so, like, it captures all of that in the opening along with just a really bopping tune that I cannot get out of my head when I hear it. And I would like very much look forward to that every single episode for season one. And when they replaced <laughs> that, I was so bitter. Um, yeah, that's the issue. Like, like Full Metal Alchemist does that. They have a couple really good ending songs and intro songs, and then they replace them. It's like, no, 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 you're doing good. Why did you do that? Right. Yeah. Um, so to Lots me, do that so sad. <laughs> the outro for Jujutsu Kaisen is. I don't actually even remember. Like the intro is like to me forgettable, but the outro is such a bop, dude. I, and they're dancing. They like come out dancing. That's actually in my Spotify liked playlist. Like that'll come on. I'll be like, all right, cool. I'm a sorcerer. <laughs> when nice. I'm driving. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, yeah. Totally bopping. Yeah, the second Jujutsu Kaisen song, I think, is a little more iconic than the first one. Mm-hmm. And it's got this like really great hard rock, like just like rift going on through yep. it. Yep. Um, so it has a really great end cap to it as well. So love that particular one. It's just Kaisen. Other shout out I would give is for Mob Psycho 100. That one also kind of captures the show's tone and is pretty hype. And then also Cowboy Bebop is a classic. Yes. Oh, you're right, dude. It's such a stylistic, like, just shows off what this 
show is about and how different it is from all the other anime and even though it's an old show at this point like it still hits good so one more one more that i have to mention that actually also sits in my uh, spotify playlist is veracity by myth and roid it's from the overlord anime uh okay which was not i mean it's it's popular among konosuba watchers but not like mainstream popular because it's just another isekai but uh it's that one is like just super intense so I, I like that one too. All right, but I'm done. I'm done nerding out, weaving okay. out. <laughs> I'm glad. No, I wanted to, I wanted to hear because there's just something about them. Like, and if you haven't been into anime, it's hard to describe because you have like other opening TV show songs. Like, I mean, there's some iconic ones. Like, you know, Friends is pretty iconic. Yep. Or I think of Monk. Yeah, Pretty Little um, Liars too. When that was airing. Yeah. Like, there's iconic ones, but like anime is like they go all out with it. Like mm-hmm. they. They build their own unique animation scenes for the whole song. And most of the songs, if not almost all of them, are original songs that bands have put together specifically for the anime. Yep. Um, and they're full length. It's like two and a half minutes. Uh, so really great. Really headbanging. Uh, and just make anime like just have this like totally unique like feel to it. And then they com- they com- they keep changing it up, you know. Um each anime has multiple and will tell basically the story of that particular arc. Like thinking of Jojo's bizarre adventure, like each and every single Jojo has his own song and more than that too. Some of them have multiple. So just wanted to give a quick shout out to that because it is a very unique part of that medium and I love me some anime. But with (laughs) that being said, let's jump into the games we planned. Jared, how has your gaming life been recently? Pretty rich. Like, uh, to be honest with you guys, uh, uh, the listeners, sometimes I don't have as much to contribute to this segment because I'm so focused on our, like, game of the week or podcast, whatever. And so, like, with Hades, that was the issue. Like, I wasn't playing anything but Hades, right? So I had to, like, scrounge to come up with something. But actually, I do have a couple of games that I've been playing First off, for the Switch, of course, is this simple little arcade game called Space Pioneer. Now, look, here's here's where I say, like, look, the the Switch eStore is always showing you some great, great deals. And so I can snag, you know, $10, $20 games for $1.99 sometimes. And it's this is one of those games. Space Pioneer went on sale, and, and so I grabbed it. And I really enjoy that. It's like an arcade game where you just kind of conquer alien worlds or whatever and do a simple, like, uh, you know, beat the baddie, run back to the base, do the checkpoints, whatever else. But it's super fun. And for, like, you know, $1.99 or whatever it was, totally worth it. So that's that's one game I've been playing. And then the other is a mobile game. This was hype a couple years ago. It's called Monument Valley. It's um, yeah. Have you heard of that, Josh? Oh, yeah. I love me some Monument Valley. So that, that one I've really enjoyed and was worth the couple bucks to spend on it. Now, the, the reason I spent any money on it is because I do the Google opinion rewards thing, which if okay. you, yeah, so you'll get a couple cents here and there and after a while it builds up, but then it expires in a year. So you have to spend it. So I'll spend it on like movie rentals for Google Play or, you know, a game here and there. And I bought Monument Valley and I do not regret it at all. It was a good purchase. So that's a good game too. Yeah. Sweet little puzzle game with the... Uh 
perspective playing a huge part in yep. how you solve all the yep. different puzzles for it. Really, really good. There's a second one, too. Both of them are fantastic. Yeah, really enjoyable. I was going to ask about Space Pioneer. Is that the one that's, like, orange and blue aesthetic? Um, um, it's pretty t- colorful cover, all I'm, around, but I, as far as the title cover, I think you, you probably have it right, yes. I'm just trying to the pinpoint it in my brain because I think I have looked at that a few times. I yeah. think that one is, if I'm not mistaken, uh, also started as a mobile game. Um, yes, but it's it one definitely of the ones feels like, like it definitely feels like a mobile game. So you're probably right. But it has like it's like twin stick shooter, right? Like you're moving with one yep. and using the stick yep. to fire. Yep. Yeah, like those sort of games, I can't play on mobile. I just I can't stand them. Fair so enough. <laughs> like to have that move to a console is perfect. And I and I, from what I've read, if I'm not mistaken that space pioneer is the game i'm thinking of um it it does it a great service to have it on the switch have those uh analog sticks to use and whatnot so uh certainly a good purchase and i'm sure that one's on sale all the time uh for me i have really not been like it's like i said i got super into anime so like i watch all of jujutsu kaisen i'm catching up on food wars now and watching my hero again and getting prepped to finish attack on titan so on and so forth so haven't been putting as much time into games as i was before and all the gaming time that i have had has mostly been dedicated to our pick for this week but outside of that there was one game last week that i decided to check out just on a whim and that was cthulhu saves christmas (laughs) this game is quirky as all get out and is a fun little game. I don't know how long it is. I've put probably 30, 45 minutes into it, so not super, like not that not a whole lot. But it is so well written and so self-aware. It's great. It, it's it's basically just a standard Super Nintendo JRPG. So you're a little sprite. He's a little tiny Cthulhu sprite, and he's walking around <laughs> and you you know, you have turn-based battles and you're throwing your um uh, moves at them and whatnot it has a lot of unique uh, hooks in the gameplay regarding just like Cthulhu's centered all around you know like the idea of madness and stuff and so you have like madness meters and um, chaos meters and stuff like that that you're using you team up with the um, like a Christmas elf and she wants you to come save Christmas even though you're an elder god who wants to destroy the earth and it's just so funny the way that the dialogue plays out. It, it made me chuckle multiple times. I have a couple of <laughs> screenshots of it. I wish I had my Switch with me because I read them off. But it's just like it's super self-aware. It knows that the premise is ridiculous. And it just like plays with that. And so really fun, really cheap. I looked up just like where this idea came from. I guess it's been a PC game for a while. And they just ported it to Switch. And it has really good reviews on Steam. So people really enjoyed the game. Um, I guess before this, there was Cthulhu Saves the World, and this is the sequel, Cthulhu Saves Christmas, so they just kind of leaned more and more into the ridiculousness of it, and I have been thoroughly enjoying that small amount of time that I put into it, and I would like to finish that uh, now that I've wrapped up Fire Emblem, so that's been the game I played outside of our pick for this week. I have one more, Josh, if I could. So Go ahead. I just I have just briefly the other night played a little bit of Mists of the Eastern Realm, which is the DLC for Phoenix Immortals Rising. If you haven't listened to our episode on that, we fell in love with that game. Surprise pick uh, for for 2020 uh, for you know a terrible year. That was a great game, but the, uh, uh, I'll just save everyone the time and the money. Mists of the Eastern Realm is a skin. 
<laughs> it's just the exact same gameplay uh, <laughs> and and very similar colors and world potions, uh, ingredients, leveling up, stamina, all of that stuff is basically the exact same. It's just is that a, a bad thing. Not necessarily. I guess what I was going to say is it's more of the same if you really liked Phoenix. Uh, and most people really like Phoenix, so you know maybe you might yeah. want to consider more of it. Um, it's just a shorter uh, story and a slightly smaller world. And uh, you know Chinese version, Myths of the Eastern Realm, ju- just essentially Phoenix with a different skin, smaller story. And uh, yeah, so I, I touched upon that, but it is, it is exactly that. So you're not Phoenix? No, you're not. You play as Ku, uh, but... Uh, uh, Asian warrior, and you don't get okay. to choose. You don't get to choose the gender swap if you want, but um, but yeah, just so a you, dude. Yep, but you're essentially trying okay. to save the world again, but just uh, Asian version. Interesting. Is it a whole new map too, or is it just puzzles, kind of like Apollo was? No, whole new map. Uh, slightly different style of puzzles, but again, the way you level up, the way you, right. you know, move around the map and everything, it's all the same. Attack, you know, with the sword restores your stamina. Attack with the axe creates stun damage. Exact same gameplay. So I'm just asking because I am super interested in the DLC. I so I got the base Immortals. I didn't get the special edition or whatever that came with yeah. the pass for the DLC. So the pass on its own is like forty bucks, I think. And so I've been kind of waiting to see if it's worth that amount of money. And I'll probably wait until all of it's out. Cause this is only the second push. I think they have a couple more planned if i'm not mistaken yeah so i yeah. am really interested i actually re-downloaded immortals just for when the dlc hits and when this one came out i was eyeballing it but i haven't again i just haven't had time to get around to anything so i haven't gotten around to it but so i would if say you like, recommend it i might i don't know that i do josh to be honest with you i don't, I don't think i do it, it's just more of the same it's nothing really fresh and new um there's the other dlc like where you essentially just do a crap ton of puzzles um, right. That one's not really something I'd recommend either. I get, I just got bored of it. So, I mean, I don't know. I would say like the only game that I absolutely insist people get the DLCs for is Skyrim. Like you absolutely want Dragonborn. Uh, you absolutely want Dawn Guard, and you absolutely want Hearthfire. They're all absolutely essential to an ex- an expanded Skyrim gameplay. But like with gotcha. this game, mm, I don't know. If you want more of the same, get it. But I just wasn't super impressed. I. I kind of, I guess I could do without, honestly. Like, yeah. if I had to go back and choose whether to buy the base game or this one, I'm just not going to be playing them. So, but I had yeah. already purchased DLC's it. Definitely, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> DLC's definitely hit or miss. The only other game I can think of that has, like, musket DLC, well, I take that back. There's a lot of games I can think of, but, like, in that vein is Borderlands. They always have sure, crazy sure. good DLC. Yeah. Like, it is not a complete experience unless you get all the dlc for borderlands games yeah so but yeah they're certainly hit or miss so we'll see i might pick up immortals i liked it so much so if i ever get the itch to jump into a world like that again i I might just pick it up but we'll see all right before we get to our pick let's go ahead and talk about our default segment Jared, I have a question here that might need a little bit of thinking. 
to be done before we answer. So I'm going to pose it, give you some time to think while I kind of give my thoughts on it. Okay. What is a virtual world, a video game world that you would want to be in, inhabit? So that's the question. And there are all kinds to choose from. There are a lot of really terrible worlds that you certainly would not want to be in. Yes. Right? Um, yeah, Resident Evil, hello. Yeah, Resident Evil, uh, Bioshock immediately comes to mind as like this terrifying dystopia that was not what it was supposed to be. Um, for me, like my first thought goes to really anything Nintendo. You know, Animal Crossing, Legend of Zelda, Mario, but then I kind of wonder if there isn't some better option here that sure isn't as just fully enjoyable but is also like it's, it's not just pure joy like I, I don't know like animal crossing is well animal crossing is more like pure leisure but something along those lines and i'm trying to think of like what might be a better fit for an actual ideal virtual world because i want to like for me i want to be in a place where i've also got like the option to get like powers and stuff right you know? right right but yeah. i don't want to be in skyrim where i'm not dragonborn and i'm running terrified from the dragons <laughs> right so what do you think so so your question is like i'm just a am i the main character in the game or just do i just live there you are living there okay all right so that is slightly different uh Animal Crossing yeah. would be the safest answer. And it's actually not a bad answer, assuming I'm like a human villager who can terraform and not just one of the animals, you know what I mean? Um, yes. <laughs> so that would be fun. I guess uh, definitely Mario Odyssey is one of the first that comes to mind. That would be okay. super cool. Or, or as long really, as you're not a, a, um, an enemy. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, and, and Mario Sunshine also comes to mind. If you're talking about being able to roam all of like Delfino, that would be dope. Um Sure. Hmm. Hmm. What else? Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. I do like RPGs. I mean, I like Breath of the Wild. Uh, I really like Breath of the Wild. If I could just roam around and explore all day, that'd be dope. Um, I think so Phoenix. Breath of the Wild is like a like that's what I'm saying. Like you got to think a little bit more about this because like the world is beautiful, but that's like a post-apocalypse. You know. That's true. That's and true. Right. You've got all of Ganon's forces around that. Like, all of the villagers in that game are isolated in corners of the map and are terrified to travel. <laughs> yeah, right. So. Right. And, and I think if you were to be in Phoenix's world, that'd be pretty lonely. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, if you're in Hades, you're in the underworld, <laughs> probably. Right. So that's no, that's no good. Jeez. Um, what about Xenoblade? Xenoblade? Well, no, because Xenoblade at the end of the game, spoiler, spoiler, at the end of the game, there's no more Bionis. So it's like you're kind of just sitting on the ground, I guess. Um, so that's no fun. Skyrim, again, well, the, you probably die the world, all the time. Doesn't the world, like, re, like get, is reborn? I don't know. I, I, it, not at the end of Xenoblade. Huh. The way the okay. game ends, you have to kind of, like, start over to, to get the rebirth of the world, I guess. I don't know if that's the whole gameplay loop, but I'm thinking out loud here. I guess... I'm trying to come up with other options here. I, I, obviously, I do like free roam. Um, I don't know. What what else are you thinking? I Okay, so I had a list, and I can't find it. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, man. I, but I had some other ideas to throw out, and I'm just not able to figure it out. I don't know. Like, 
there I think being in a Mario RPG would be a lot of fun. Yes. There's a lot of really great Mario RPGs. I don't know if I'd want to go like Mario plus Rabbids and the insanity of that world being <laughs> matched together. Which but which is on sale, everyone, by the way. <laughs> it is. Great game. Yes, great. Absolutely pick that up. That's a great game. Yeah. We should cover that sometime. Yeah, we should. Um, yeah. But like Paper Mario games are tons of fun. Yep. Those are so like just like really cutesy fun worlds to be in. The Mario and Luigi games are also like similar thing. So I think that if I had to choose, I'd probably say a Mario RPG. Yeah. Personally. Yeah, that makes sense. I would say specifically Mario Sunshine would probably be my choice. Um, okay. But again, I feel like that's a cop-out. I feel like there's something in the back of my mind that I'd be like, no, 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 that's the one. But I just can't think of it right now off the top of my head. What about like um, Halo? I don't know. Halo's like a war-torn... Everything's war-torn. That's <laughs> like, <laughs> true. Uh, that, I mean, that, but that makes sense. Final Fantasy, same thing. Like, there's always conflict going on, right? Like, that's the mm-hmm. whole crux of the games and everything. I wouldn't want to do... Well, I guess Assassin's Creed might be okay um, if you're just a standard villager. I mean, those that is our world, so... Right, <laughs> right. That's I guess just that's going cheating. back to... Yeah, just I going back to cheating. different parts of, lore, of history. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. If you if you have any thoughts, write us in. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, let us know. I apologize. I thought I had this prepared, but I don't. <laughs> Although I think we gave some decent answers. Yes, totally. Those agree. are okay answers. Totally I feel like there's probably some like dynamite answer that we're totally missing, but those are also pretty good. I wouldn't want to be in Animal Crossing. I just want to put that out there. Fair enough. Personally, I just I th- I feel like I lose my mind I'd be yeah bored. unless yeah. it was animal crossing new leaf because they had old video games in that oh <laughs> so i just I play see, those okay. all the time so <laughs> they have the nes within the animal crossing yeah right yeah exactly um anyway that's our default segment with that in mind let's go ahead and jump into our pick of the week of the last couple of weeks because it did take us what three weeks yeah this was a big game this was how long was that campaign i guess it took me at least 30 hours i put in 50 hours okay fair enough personally yeah but i I meandered at the front end i will say that um and that is fire emblem three houses Fire Emblem, the series, has been around for a real long time, was not a hit in the United States until Fire Emblem Awakening on the DS, and that really opened the doors for its popularity. It has exploded in sales, and it's just general popularity in the video game sphere since then, and it has all culminated up to this point in time in Fire Emblem Three Houses for the Nintendo Switch, released in July of 2019. So it's a fairly recent game, only a couple years old. And 
Jared and I picked that up and we're playing it here to get uh, get our impressions of it. So, Jared, what was your overall impression of Three Houses? In one word, inefficient. Inefficient. Inefficient, dude. That's I, an interesting pick for so, a word. So, look, I, I, I'm just going to jump right in. I did not enjoy the majority of this game for one specific reason. It was horribly inefficient to, like, well, one grind out like it's just if the whole point of the game is to you know defeat the baddie and that that depends on you and your team getting stronger and the ability to do that and you equipping them with the right weapons and the right armor and the and the right this or that uh, and and power-ups and training and all this different stuff it's horribly inefficient it's ridiculous so that was probably my number one biggest pet peeve with this game so when i say inefficient Mm. Like, the menu system in Xenoblade, we mentioned this in the Xenoblade podcast, if you want to go back and listen, the Xenoblade game, the menus were inefficient. Like, to get to, like, where all the characters were, you had to, like, click through three different menus. The same problem abounds in this game. What is the difference between storehouse and inventory? Why are those two (laughs) separate menus? Please tell me. Also, why do I have to go in and automatically equip weapons when there should just be an auto-equip option every single time. Why is it that only one person can access the convoy of all of my inventory, and the only people that can access it is if they're alongside the one character who knows how to do that? Why is that a thing? What is this convoy a character? Is convoy just this wagon trail that follows my main character? <laughs> what is going on? Why, is, why am I the only person who's able to access the convoy, and why is it so obnoxious to trade items back and forth? And to it equip is. different... Op- it's obnoxious, Josh. This is like... What what version of Fire Emblem is this? Is this the 17th game? I don't know what the like number in the series is, but it's the most recent of a lot. So There's there's more than 15. I know that. And it is infuriating. Yeah. You, you've been making a game for this long, and this is what you give me? Absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. So that's my first impression. Horribly inefficient. Even worse than Xenoblade. And I have a problem with those menus. Like, just the user interface, interface was so unfriendly. What are you doing? It just, so, like, unnecessary. Redundant in some places, and then completely confusing in others. I think it was on part two of the game before I figured out how to equip items to certain characters. Seriously. What, really? Yes. Like, it was wow. that confusing. Like, selling things to the blacksmith and the shop. Like, again, again, why are the item shop and the blacksmith two separate locations? That doesn't make any sense. Please make it make sense. So I was just infuriated. Every time I had to like readjust some things and whatever else. And the way I'm just going to stop there. That was my first impression. What? How about you, Josh? No, you're you're bringing up. I'd say, and I kind of wanted to save the grievances for the end, but uh, (laughs) you're bringing up a, a core issue of this whole thing is that they're 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 trying to give you options, right? And they're trying to make it seem like there's so much that you can do, but in that they get bogged down in how to give that option to you. And they they end up falling flat on their face because of the just mine full of like the digger you like the farther you dig, the deeper it gets in all of these ridiculous menus. And a lot of it's unexplained. 
And yeah, you're right. Like there's the shop and in the shop, there's four different menus and you have to go to each menu and sort through. And then once you hit into that menu, all of your characters pop up and it's very difficult to like, you have to really like dedicate time to the menus. Like outside of the fighting, I was spending most of my time just looking closely at the items that my characters had, trying to remember who needed what, what particular weapons needed to be repaired or what weapons I needed to give to this character in order to get them prepared for the battle. So there's just like all kinds of prep before every single battle that you got to do, or you're going to fall flat on your face in the middle of the battle. And if you don't put in that time and just like exhaustively pour over all of these little details, you're going to be lost, which is kind of what it sounded like what was happening with you um, a little bit. And, and yeah, no, I totally agree. Like it, I, I was very irritated with it. Then I started to figure out like ways to streamline. So like I, I figured out once you get into it's so, like say right before a battle, you're given this whole weapon wheel, which by the way, out of those not weapon wheel, but like a whole wheel of options that you to prepare for. It's so, like one's units, one's items or uh, I don't remember what it was, but like convoy or whatever, like all your people. And then one's the shop. And then there's several other that I didn't even touch like multiple on that pre-fight screen i i didn't even go through most of those options yeah but it, they're all there yeah um for you to use i guess if you want the only places i ever checked was my units to make sure that they had everything that they needed and then maybe i'd jump into the shop to get something and then maybe i'd go back and reassign like who was in the fight but otherwise yeah it's it's just like bogged down and like i said there were smaller things i was able to pick up over time like say once you get into the unit screen and you want to trade items with the convoy um, and give so like say Byleth needs a sword uh, because his sword's about to be depleted. I don't know. Did you play as a his or a her? I played as a her. Okay, so I'm gonna say his because I played as a dude, but his her Byleth can be either. Um, then I need to go to the unit screen, click items. So it'll give you a drop-down list of four different types of things you can do. One of them's uh, items. One of them is combat arts. One of them is reclass. One of them is battalions. And it's just like all this small stuff. And then in each of those menus, you have an exhaustive amount of characters that you have to sort through and reassign things. And you can do a like quick R and an L, like left-click, right-click to uh, go between the characters this makes it a little bit faster but then like to pick the items you're bouncing back and forth and it's not very fast and sometimes you accidentally swap something out you didn't mean to and you're like oh crap mm -hmm. what did i just do mm -hmm. and like you're just like you're so overwhelmed with all the information that it's showing you at once in this one particular menu and then you back out of that and then there's another five menus there for you to choose from and prepare and it's just like it's like you said i think inefficient's a great word like i didn't quite understand what you meant right away but as you explained it 100 percent, you're right um, yeah just and a, that, just horrible menu problems like bogs, bogs is down redundant too like you can go into the selection of like items that you want to trade based on weapon type so it's like starts with bows then javelins right. then you know then whatever else but then the problem is you, there's like half that's that only covers half of the items that you can find and then you have to go all the way to convoy the furthest left or right click whatever to get to the convoy items, which is where you get the special rings, power-ups and stuff, where you get healing potions, where you get stabs and other things that aren't chronicled in the weapons. And so, like, you have to go all the way to convoy anyway, 
why not just say it's just ridiculous. Like if you want to use for okay, so the the whole crux of the game is that it uses AI intelligent systems, is literally the name of it, to fight you know bots against you, and yet their menu is the most unintelligent thing I've ever played with. It just it's just ridiculous. I don't understand. Like I'm I'm not even a programmer, and I'm like this was an easy problem to fix. This wasn't <laughs> difficult. It's as if it's as if they like literally pointed to each other and said, "Look, hey, you're gonna work on the menu for when you explore. You're gonna work on the pre battle menu. You're gonna work on the item swapping, and you're gonna work on the blacksmith thing. And then you're not allowed to talk to each other. It was ridiculous. It was like I I just didn't understand. Like who could have thought up this? Like. You just wanted to throw buzzwords out there? I don't understand. I I, I was just so frustrated. I, I would just get regularly mad as I was, as I was trying to like equip the best item for my character. Because at least at least in Xenoblade, it was three clicks. You click on the person, you click on the armor slot, and you click on the gem slot. And they're listed by rank. You can sort them however you want to, alphabetically, by ability, whatever else, by rank. So it's just easy. You list by rank, select the top one, and it goes into that slot. If it's available, this game was like you had to like pick and choose and guess, and it just was awful. I, I absolutely hated it. Yeah, no, I, I think what they were going for is a breadth of options, and that just made it so much less approachable and less accessible, really. And it's funny because this game is trying to be accessible. Like they know, they know that Fire Emblem is this popular thing now. You know. Back during the Melee days, people were like, who is Roy? You know, that was like uh-huh. their only connection to Fire Emblem. And now uh-huh. everyone pretty much knows what it is. If they haven't played it directly, they have a great, a, a semi-vague idea of the series. And so certainly people are going to be interested in it on a popular system like the Switch. And so they try to build an accessibility and they do that. You know, they give you the normal or the hard or the classic or the casual at the start of the game. And then they have the rewind time thing that makes it, you know, so that if you're not the best in battles, you can have this kind of like reset button that makes you have the opportunity to continue to push forward without having to completely restart the battle. So like they're, they're trying, but then they throw all of these different menus and items at you and they don't explain them. You have to like read all of the text very carefully to get a feel for it. Um, and that's kind of like, I think my biggest issue with the game is that it doesn't explain very much of what I think is actually valuable. Like your attributes, um, your, like it has, there's like cha and crit and yeah. um, What is, what is, what is dexterity? Seriously. The game says, the game says this will give you plus four dexterity. So it'll say like the ability is like a ring or something. It's like plus four dexterity. And then in the description, it's a or plus four dex, right? Like it couldn't be anything right. but dexterity. Let's be clear. And then in the description, it says adds four to your dexterity. What does that mean? What is dexterity? <laughs> I, Josh, I kid you not. I played 35 plus hours of this game and never figured out what des- dexterity was. You, no, like, I you, agree. I don't think I know what it is either. <laughs> you tell me. Like I don't understand. So things like that. I Like I apologize to the listeners because – we jumped right into like my biggest pet peeve because I was just so ready. I, I, it made me so mad trying to play. I'm like, I am brand new to this series and this is the worst first impression you could give me to your games. Uh, you know, fire emblem people. So I, but Josh, I feel like we need to back up a little bit. You know, I've, I've said my piece. That was by far the biggest issue I had with the game. Although I have more to say, but 
let's back up and I feel like we need to give the game a proper introduction to like I, I feel like you would do a good job of describing this game in its ideal form just so people get an idea of like what it was supposed to be. Yeah, and I think it it, it accomplishes what Fire Emblem games are setting out to do. But I personally am going to just state here that this is not the best Fire Emblem game I've ever played. Um, I got into the series with Awakening. Um, I played Fates a little bit. I played Shadows of Valentia. That one was a really cool remake of an old game. I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, And it hooked me when games like this normally don't. It's a strategy game. Mm -hmm. So it's a strategy RPG. So you get into a battle and it gives you... It's a grid-based kind of board game-esque setup where you each have different abilities, each have different weapons and classes and focuses, and then you as a group go and take on that particular map of enemies who all have their own abilities and their own unique attributes. And so there's a lot of strategy that's just right off the bat in the core of yeah, this game. If, that's- if, if, if you've seen Harry Potter, do you remember when they go down into the dungeon and they have to play chess to like... Like, yes. but you are that person. You are playing chess with your pieces, your characters, right. and they're live and they fight each other. And it's it's that is what this game excels at. Yeah, and I'd say it's like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that core of Fire Emblem is is uh, it's great, and it always has been in the series, and so they keep that there. And mm-hmm. on top of that, so Fire Emblem in my mind is always that strategy layer, and then it's the the characters layer and the story now the story is always kind of typically just you know fantasy tropes there's some new evil that's brewing under the surface and then that thing explodes and everything goes into conflict and so on and so forth so like all of that's there and this game tries to really capitalize on that particular part of the fire emblem series in just really getting you to know your teammates or to know your uh students and to interact with the other houses and so on and so forth and have a lot of interesting story beats along the way so like those two core elements of fire emblem are present here and they are solid i would say they're decent and they do what they are are supposed to do and they do it fairly well now i do have some gripes with both of them um and why i don't think this is the best fire emblem game i've played but those two things are there that is what fire emblem is and you're good to go but then, on top of that, they add this whole new dynamic of the Garrig Mach Monastery and the school and uh, the three different houses, of course, the, the titular three different houses, and all the different students and whatnot that you're interacting with. And that par- portion of it is hit or miss. And then they also have all of the extra newfangled items and um, statistics, all the different stats that we were just talking about that are just a little bit um, inefficient, as Jared So those said. are those stats are new to the, the Fire Emblem series? No. So, um... No. So, like, in... So you know how, like, whenever your character upgrades, you see all the little stats on the side and it goes, like, plus one, plus one, plus one. And yes, they say, yes. like, I've improved or whatever. Like, all of that has always been there, but I felt like it was so much simpler in the past. I don't... I haven't played them in a while, so I can't necessarily speak for this in a in a clear, concise way. But like, I remember, speed was always a thing, and speed makes perfect sense. Speed is where you attack first, as opposed to your enemy. Um, 
I, See, that, that wasn't explained to me until, like, part two again. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, they, they just do such a bad job of explaining all of this stuff. Uh, strength makes sense. Um, reason, things like that were always kind of a part of the series and had legitimate game effects and how those battles play out. And this game has all of that, but it doesn't explain any of it. And then on top of that, all the new things they're trying, particularly with the monastery, they don't really explain super well either. And they're trying to give you all these options and ideas and things. And to be honest, by the end of the game, I felt like it was just filler. Like very, not worthless because it was doing stuff, but unnecessary and just bogging down my time um, and taking up more of like... It was sapping away from the parts of the game that I really wanted to get to um, through all of that other stuff. So it's it's still Fire Emblem at its core, but it's, it's strapped on with all this extra nuance and detail that it doesn't explain. And that can make it a very frustrating experience, certainly for newcomers. Now, people who are very familiar with the series might be able to take all that in in stride and move yes. forward with it and have a good time. That was the sense that I got. I was like, man, it must just be because I'm new to this game. Because this game, if it were being played totally by newcomers, like if this is the first entry into the series, oh, there would be hell to pay. Because there's no, there's absolutely no reason for all, all of this horribly unexplained stuff. But if what you're telling me is that they've been doing 80% of this up until this point and then changed a couple things, that makes more sense. And I kept having to like think that. I was like, it just must be because I'm a newcomer. It just must be because I'm a newcomer. Um, but, but I mean, man, there's just it, so much. Uh, filler is, is one word for it, for sure. Um, I, and like the whole point of the game, I feel like, was to make you make choices and I just felt like even the choices that I had to make didn't matter at times. So I think they was... matter more than they than they seem, and that was another issue I had. Yeah. Um, because they do have ramifications, certainly toward the very end. Um, I'm thinking of like the character that you can end up being with at the end, um, how your particular timeline plays out, and there are. So this game's interesting in that there are from what I was reading, five different paths. Now, I went into this completely blind. I don't. I didn't know anything about the story. I didn't know anything about the world. I just knew this was Fire Emblem, and I wanted to keep it that way. I didn't look anything up. I didn't try to go look up the systems and have them explained to me. I just tried to absorb it and learn it on my own. So I had a, a, a slightly frustrating experience because of that, but um, it, it is kind of a pure experience because of that as well. Um, and I would just like to say, like, if you have to go to YouTube to explain beginner mechanics of a game, you're doing something wrong. I can understand going to YouTube in a forum or Discord or whatever to get advanced techniques. Or like, hey, if you do this and stack this or whatever else, like with Hades, that's fine. But you get the core of Hades as soon as you jump into the game. With right. this game, again... I learned that speed meant you attacked before your opponent did after the part two started of the game because it was in a loading screen tip tutorial. <laughs> it didn't, like, I'm serious. Like, that was so frustrating to me. I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. But I wish I had known that because I'm watching right. like, characters like who strikes first never made sense to me. I was like, oh, is it random? I guess most of this game is random, which again led to the, like, 
infuriating parts of like my decision making didn't make sense to even me. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. It's horribly explained. Yeah, um, and, and yeah, that's okay. So I do want to just kind of give a little bit of an origin to my first experience with this game actually and that was when i picked it up in 2019 when it came out i turned this thing on and i was expecting a fire emblem awakening now the way that the ds games work is like you're you're on a map you go from mission to mission and you kind of go through the map there's no main monastery they don't have the month to month thing going on um and so each mission pushes the story forward you can talk to characters on the battlefield you can there's like sometimes where they'll have like a rest checkpoint where you can upgrade them or go to the shop but it's a very simple straightforward and going 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 in that direction and this one they are they they pull in elements from other jrpg so the month-to-month thing reminded me a lot of persona so you're on a schedule and every month you have each week where you're going through and doing different tasks you're given different options on the weekend to do whatever with your free day and then at the end of the month you have your mission and that moves the story forward so there's a so in previous fire emblem games it was just mission 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 and it moves at a pretty good pace this one has this whole month in between each mission that you can just really get bogged down in if you're not careful and you can and you end up spending a lot of time in those menial tasks throughout the whole thing um and by the end it was certainly um tiring it was wearing on me um and on top of that you have the monastery which is its own giant explored area and there's all so if you pick that for your day off you're gonna be stuck doing that for like 45 minutes i felt like um if i really wanted to see everything and when i first got this game i jumped in i played through the tutorial i picked my house i got thrown into the monastery and i saw all this like all the things that i had to accomplish in that day and i was like no no thanks and i I turned it off and i haven't touched it since uh and i i think that that just doesn't bode well for a game for someone who's played the series uh to like i can't imagine what that's like for someone who's just jumping in and trying to experience this for the first time how overwhelming that felt um and how much of it like obviously this is going to be a time sink obviously this is going to be something you really have to dedicate think about pay attention to and it's gonna eke away at your life because of that (laughs) yeah it was and i'm like look I, i i don't think Maybe they didn't anticipate anyone new playing the game. They're like, ah, ha, ha, we are 16 games in. No one new is going to play our game. This is all our current fan base. And, like, look, maybe, maybe that's true. I don't know. But, like, as someone who wasn't already in love with the series, I just got so turned off so quickly into this game. Um, I, I, I just, the tutorial was fine. I was actually looking forward to it. I played the tutorial. I was like, all right, this is going to be cool. This is going to be like chess, a little bit more complicated. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to move these characters here and there and whatever else. And then it was immediately obfuscated. What's the word? Uh, Complicated. Obfuscated? Yes, that's the word, but I couldn't say it. Um, Complicated by the fact that like you can't move your allies, and I didn't know why. I was like, I thought Gerald was on my team, right, Mm. immediately. But no, he's not. And then, you know, so, so immediate confusion. And then two, again, you're right with the explore the monastery, which is essentially Hogwarts. Um, the certain areas are not unlocked and you only have like a limited amount of activity points. So even though you have all this free time on the weekend, you can only do one thing, 
which is like, oh, all right, all right, random. Um, and then the month-to-month -month thing makes it feel like you, you have to choose between the different things that you do, and it, it was such... Like there was no incentive either way. It didn't make. It didn't seem to make a difference what you chose on your day off because yeah. I. It just was. There was a lot. So for someone who was never introduced to the Fire Emblem series before this game, there's a huge barrier to entry. I was just there very is. turned off by that. Which is like I said, it's surprising because they had to know that this was going to be on their most popular console to date. Um, mm -hmm. it, at a time when the series is at its peak, and again yep. they try biggest to do momentum that. going forward. Right. But then they don't, they don't follow through with the rest of the game, um, and yeah, I certainly was. And and there is like you can tell, there is a way to like master and get like every little amount of juice out of this lemon. Like there is a specific path to do that, and there are specific activities that you have to do. But that is just so exhausting, and if you don't know what direction to go or what things to put in like time into you're just going blind through this whole thing and and you know at the end it doesn't matter a whole lot because you can finish the game without getting that 100 out of it but and so like if if you go into it wanting to master it and if you're going into it wanting to get as much out of it you can feel very lost very quickly and it 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 just doesn't bode well like by the end for me again i didn't look anything up i wasn't trying to figure out like okay what's the best path what particular activities should i do to like most maximize my um you know the um what's the word there like not the skills but um their motivation throughout the sure. whole thing and like how to get from um character um bonds i don't think that's the word that they use but like the character level bonds from c to b to a um and so on like what is the best path to do that i could tell that there was a best path but i didn't know what that best path was and i wasn't looking it up and so i felt like i was kind of missing out on that at the same time that i also didn't want to do any of it <laughs> so it was it's just this weird it's this weird trying too hard and losing people along the way um, setup yeah. that they have there was, with it. There was too many things distracting from the main objective. Right. If the main objective is to get your team to gel and be cohesive and be stronger on the battlefield, there was so many better ways to go about doing that than the way this game did it. Right. Um, the whole support system that Josh is talking about, literally your teammates gain support if they had conversations with each other. But if you paid attention at all and didn't just start skipping the dialogue like I did after like five conversations, I just started right. skipping, um, <laughs> which, you know, defeats the whole purpose. It defeats the whole purpose. Literally, you would skip the dialogue and it would be like, I kid you not, between 10 to 15 different panels of dialogue. Mm -hmm. That's a lot for someone at this company to sit down and write and come up with in character and then also the voice actors to have to do just for me to skip it out of sheer frustration because it was pointless. Like it that's was, that. Yeah. For me, that pained me. So what Josh is talking about the support system, one of the ways your teammates gain support is by having conversations with each other. Hey, guess Josh, let me ask you a question. You can hear the sarcasm dripping from my voice. Guess which character that it's funny. Cause I named Byleth, which is it? Let me start. Oh, okay. Byleth, you get a chance to name the character, but it suggests Byleth in the autofill anyway. Mm -hmm. So, like, you have to, like, delete Byleth and put in your own name. But then it's like, no, no, no. You can name your character whatever you want, but 
but it's actually Byla. It's like, what the heck? Like, what, whatever. Why did I even bother to name my character? I named her Zagoras, by the way. Doesn't matter. Nice. Um, besides the point. But, but like, guess which character I was not close to by the end of the game? Uh, which, were you, uh, did you do the Blue Lions? No, I did the Golden Deer. Okay, so I'm going to so, say Cloud? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, Josh, Josh, the whole point of the game... Well, one of the major cruxes of the game is for you to get close to the head of your household, right? right. And then you have to keep them alive throughout the whole thing. And it's, it's uh, um, uh, right? You had to keep them alive? Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. Every battle, if you or if Byleth or the head of the house died, you would the lose. The game's over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Guess which character I wasn't close to. It was Claude. You know why? Because I happened to miss a dialogue at some point way earlier in the game. I right. just didn't. I just didn't click on support, and then all of a sudden we were stuck at B level. I was like, "Wait a second! You and I have gone through countless battles together. I've kept you alive. You've kept me alive. We and you're going to tell me we're stuck at support level B because right. we missed a conversation? Are you kidding me? Like, and some of these conversations between the characters were garbage. They were mad they were. at each other. They were mad at each other. I like, liked that them, though. So yeah, but here's the thing, it's like they would they would be like, Oh, you're you're insufferable. Oh, darn, I guess I am. And then they'd separate support level has increased with these two. <laughs> okay, <characters>. you're right. <laughs> what yeah, in right. the world are you talking about? That was they just weird. were yelling at each other. Oh, it just didn't make sense. It was so frustrating. I was yeah, like, I don't I, understand. I wanted so bad to because I kind of figured toward the beginning of the game, because in previous Fire Emblem games, you could kind of romance. I love Fire Emblem Awakening. So each Fire Emblem game has like a time skip. Pretty much that's like a that's a general thing in the games. And I was glad to see it in this one. Honestly, for a while there I didn't know if it was gonna have that. Um, but in Awakening, when I was playing that, you so to build bonds from what I remember, you have them fight with each other in battle. So yes. it's not based on deep like you can have some minor conversations, but it's not it's not as in, important in those previous games. And so like, if I wanted to romance a particular character, I just fought next to them in battle and you would kind of like grow in your companionship that way. And in awakening, you get to a point where basically all the different, and it's, it's very straightforward and it's very clear on how it works and all the different characters marry off. They all get married. It has a time skip and then you play as their kids. And that was so awesome. That's cool. That I would have enjoyed that. Because I put all this time into it, I knew who I wanted to be with, I got that person, and then it time skipped, I play as my son now, or my daughter, or whatever it was, and it was like, sweet, that paid off. And then this one, and this one, there's so much more of that, that like you said, it's so, it it can be very easy to, to miss something, and then you're stuck. And I had that happen with Edelgard, actually, I was like trying to like, get in with Edelgard, but like, and you'll have like prompts in random conversations where if you say the wrong thing, like their heart goes down, their uh, connection to yep. you or whatever. It's like, they didn't yeah. like what you said. And I was like, I am ruining my chances with Edelgard yeah. every time I accidentally. And then there was a couple times where I stopped the game, backed out, s- closed out the app and then jumped back in. So I could try that particular prompt again. Cause I was like, I want to be with Edelgard. I also wanted to be with um, Manuela the um professor and same thing i kept 
Wow, I kept professor. Yeah, I kept screwing up. Like I tried tea time with her like four or five times, and almost every single time it ended in awkward silence. And I was like, no. Yeah. Um, and so like there's just like not as clear of a direction to go with it, and you can have that disappointment. Um, and it's not like good disappointment. Like it's kind of obtuse and it's kind of annoying. Um, so yeah, I totally agree with you on on that front. If the whole point of, like, what's the word, uh, courting these people? Like, because I really tried hard to get Petra. Like, Petra was from, not your house, maybe? She was, was your house? Yep. Yeah, yep. that's right. She was your house. Petra was yeah, my I li- favorite. I liked me some Petra. Outside of my house, Petra was my favorite. I really tried to get her. And, you know, by the time part two happens, there's no chance to do that, right? right. So, like, you've got to sneak it in before part one. I did not know this. So I was right. like slowly choose. Most of the time I chose challenges, right? So that when I had a weekend choice between explore, rest, challenge, or whatever else, it was challenges typically because I wanted umbral steel so I could upgrade my special weapons that I kept getting with other challenges. Mm-hmm. Hey, guess what? Never got that to happen. Anyway, besides the point, doesn't matter. <laughs> um, even yeah, though I played on casual mode. Broken. I just didn't understand at, at all. Like I'm playing on casual mode. I'm expecting to be OP. You know what I mean? Like, this is casual mode. I'm expecting to be OP. Nope, never happened. I didn't upgrade a <laughs> single special weapon because I never had the materials. Because they're, like, what, loot drop? Oh, you mean a chest? Oh, but wait, some of my characters have to have the key and the other doesn't? So if I get a key on one half of the map, it doesn't matter? I have to send them to the other half of the map? Oh, my gosh. I, Plus, I just in the meantime, they are not getting experience in battle. Because you're exactly. sending them over to go open a yeah, stupid chest. <laughs> yeah, they're just, yeah. And they're risking dying because most of the time it's deep in enemy territory. Right. <sighs> so so I can understand trying to Your like... Your size, man. They're, they're swoon. Well, yeah. Yeah. I can understand trying to swoon certain characters and like bring them over to your side. And I was like, I guess event... It was weird. Like I was easily able to bring over three or four characters that I never ended up using. It's like invite to your team, and they accepted on the first try. And I was like, "Oh, oh, oh okay, all right." But I, but I want Petra, and I want this other character. Nope. Yeah, both Lenhart? of the nope. both okay. of the teachers, I got very easily. Yeah. And then uh, I yeah. couldn't get any student. I didn't really try. Honestly, nobody really caught my eye except for the big dude, the like big burly guy. I don't remember his name. Something with Raphael. He was on yeah, mine. Raphael. Yeah, Raphael. Yeah, I he was. He's him. a. He was a great asset, dude. He was one of my best characters. So fair enough. You had the right instincts. But like getting another student was impossible. Yeah. I, it, it, like what? But Petra was so cute. She didn't speak English properly. She had like, I want to do the things. Like it was really funny. But anyway, that's besides the point. Low-key low crush on Petra. But, um, but, the, but, but just like trying to like pull those characters to your side didn't make a lick of difference. Because all of the time that I spent trying to do that – they never ended up on my team, and then part two happened, and you can't get them after that. Right. So, like, what what was I doing all this time? Mm-hmm. You know, up until this point. So that just ugh, just bothered me. So yeah, much. and that's that's why I'm saying like, there's obviously a way to master this and a way to hone whatever direction you want to go, but it's unclear on how to do that. And unless you're like exhaustively following a wiki while yes. you're playing, a game, exactly. You're yeah, tell me how to play this game because I can't figure it out on my own. 
That right. bothered me so much. I was like, oh, yeah. I have to Google this? No, thank you. This game is inaccessible. I'd rather just berate the game than, than have to do that. But anyway, so, so another... So, uh, so here... So one, also a huge thing. Each of the characters levels up via battle experience, seminars, training, a, you know, a couple of different things, different ways. And they... They also like request to change their training at times. Yeah. And you know, you can deny or accept or, or whatever else. But then there's like there's a couple different things that really bothered me. So like for one, did you do the dancing competition? Do you remember that? Yes. Yes. Yeah, did I you put choose picture a, in that actually? Did you choose a character? Like okay, what was the bonus stat that your character got? Do you remember? I don't remember. Okay, the bonus stat that my character got was swordplay. Guess who I chose to do the dancing competition? A mage. <laughs> a primary lance, exactly. Okay, I, yeah. It Absolutely useless ability. I never once used it, and that bothered me so much that I was even able to choose that character. This is like a third of the way into part one. This is significant distance. Mm-hmm. I've spent significant time up until this point honing and creating my characters to be like specialized in one area so that they're good at one thing. And I was able to choose like a random person and then they got a sword bonus. I was like, this is a Lance. I am never going to use this. Like what? So there's a couple of different times that was like that. Like I leveled up a character and it didn't make a difference at all. It was absolutely useless for them to gain that ability. Yep. Yeah. The, yeah, (laughs) I'm just, listening to you rant here and I'm just nodding and agreeing with a lot of what you're saying. So I just, I I hate that because Josh, I came into this game thinking the stakes are huge. This is the whole, you've created this whole world, the Adrestian empire, the Leicester allowance, the what uh, alliance, excuse me, the, um, blue, blue, whatever it was. I don't remember. Yeah. Blue kingdom or something like that. And then the (laughs) monastery right in the middle. That's an even, like an even playing field for all the characters to come to and battle with each other and, and like get stronger and go back to their respective homes. And you've got superstar nobles from each of these families and these territories coming together, playing on the teams. The stakes are massive. You set up the stage, great. And then you just fumbled for the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just, it was so, fr- I wanted to love this game. And I just ended up hating how everything was laid out and hating how my characters were leveling up and hating how my own character was very bland the whole time. Sure. Like, there was no character development of the primary character, you know, the character I played. And then the fact that they're a professor when they're actually student age, I, I just, yeah, whoa, weird. Eddie. There's so many, so many issues. I actually have a, a page in my notebook, double-sided, both sides filled with reasons I hated this game. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I'm serious. Like I hated doing that, but I was losing I was losing track of things that I disliked about the game. So I started writing them down and I filled two whole pages. I've never been able to do that about a game before. That's crazy. I, I just like sorry. So we're being super negative. Or I am at least, because I was so frustrated because I really wanted to love this game. It, it was like the equivalent of meeting the soulmate of your life and they're obnoxious. It's like, come on, we, we could have had something special here, but you're a jerk. Um, and I just, I, what did you, so here's what the game did really well with stakes. The game did really well, in my opinion, with story. 
Like, yeah. I actually cared about beating the baddie and whatever else. It ended up like, God, by the by the time we finished the game, how many final bosses did we beat? Like, four of them? Yeah. Oh. Anyway, tell me what you liked about the game, Josh. So, I, I'm like, <laughs> there's so much here. No, I just to wrap up what you're saying, this game has, like you said, when it starts out, there's all this potential. It's got that Fire Emblem base. They have this cool new Harry Potter-esque three houses thing going on. Which I loved. They, yeah, and then they have like the Persona style month to month uh, handling all of your... And Persona's... Okay, so this game, you haven't played Persona, so it's hard to kind of relate to no, you. No, not yet. I will, though. Persona does a lot of this stuff, but it does it so much better. It's the... Okay having the conversations spending the time improving their assets uh their abilities and uh forging relationships and so on and so forth like that's persona's core and they try to just borrow from that and they do it very poorly and then you have like you said this game of thrones style setup with stakes where there are these different kingdoms but it's peacetime right now so everyone's having a good time together and Um, the permadeath really adds to that that's a crucial component of the game yeah, permadeath. Okay, so like oh, every time I've played a Fire Emblem game, I turn on permadeath, and I don't know why. Because any time that a character dies, I either restart the match, or in this game, thankfully they give you the little rewind, and so mm-hmm. I rewind and I try the tactics again. So it never ends up actually affecting me because I don't want to lose any of those characters. Um, I played through Awakening once without stopping, without rewinding the clock, and that was interesting. Because it does take out... It, the only thing... The problem with permadeath is that it just takes away from the game, I think. Um, it Any any of those storylines, any of those character moments are just pulled from you. It doesn't change anything else. Like, there's not a shift in the narrative because someone died. They're just gone. Um, and this game did that similarly throughout the whole thing. Um, but So, real quick, real quick. Did, did you let a character die? Um, okay, so there were a couple people who allied themselves with me, particularly in the second half, that weren't a part of my house, and so I let them die. (laughs) Okay, and and, and did the... Did the narration change at all? Were those characters referenced? Were they, like, what happened? The only thing is, at the very end, when you beat the game, it goes through a list of, like, where the characters are now. You know, like, old school, 80s, sports movie style and the the one are the two characters that i let die it just said like this person perished during this battle and then it moved on and that was it otherwise that was nothing. It? that's the only acknowledgement they got yeah but i also didn't let anyone in my house die that probably okay. would have had a bigger effect um okay. but anytime someone in my house got knocked down i rewound the clock so that that didn't happen um and same thing with Shamir. She was uh, one of the like soldiers for hire. I really liked her character, so I kept her around anytime she died too. But otherwise, I didn't face it a whole lot. But my impressions are it doesn't change a whole lot. It really doesn't. It does raise the stakes in that if you don't rewind the clock, you lose that character's abilities and assets in the combat, right? Um, so if you have one uh, bishop, one healer, and that healer gets wrecked, then you're down a healer, you know? Okay, going so, forward. so like, let I me interject. That being a problem. Let me interject just real quick here. One of the other hugest frustrating things that caused me not to turn on permadeath because I was playing casually. I was like, look, I'm new to this. I'm going to play casually for 
for now. I've heard about permadeath. I might turn it on later, whatever else. No. As soon as I played my like second or third battle or whatever, I was like, I'm never turning on permadeath. You know why? <laughs> because they went for my healer every single time. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what, what, what is this? Like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Like, that's not going to happen. It's just that you know how frustrating that is. It's like, oh, okay. So you're you're not even going to like. There is no rock paper scissors dynamic. It was just pure like take out the weakest character who can also heal the others and then take out everyone else maybe. But it was just like a computer was like, it was too intelligent. It was like, I'm going to throw all of my soldiers at their weakest character and then go from there. And there was nothing I could do. I just had to like, I was restarting so often that I was like, this is just stupid. I'm just going to keep it casual so that they can die and I can finish the battle and then keep moving. It just absolutely ruined any, any thought I had of playing permadeath because of the way the computer played against me. I was like, if this is intelligent systems, this is really disappointing. And I'm not See, just, I'm not just crapping on it to crap on it. I'm, I was genuinely disappointed that like that was the only strategy that the computer had was go after my healer every single time. See, I I disagree with you on this. Go point. ahead. I think the the way that the AI works is pretty smart, and you pick up on some more of the nuances as the game goes along. Like any heavy armored character is going to be very weak to magic, and so and. Yeah, most of the regular combat enemies are going to go for a healer if they have the chance. So that I like that. I like that dynamic. Um, same thing with flyers; they're they're weak to archers, so on and so forth. So it forces you to change your tactics and change and and just morph to that and make sure that you're not compromising them. Um, like for instance, I made Edelgard a um, wyvern rider. And so I had to make sure throughout the every time I played a battle that I didn't put her in range of any archers and certainly not more than two because they were going to target her because they knew that she was weak to them and so on. So I like that because it it is strategy in that re- regard um, and you just have to be careful. Like um, my healer was uh, Lindhart was his name. Um, he was sleeping all the time. Very interesting character. But he... Uh, I, I had to be careful. I had to have him in the back pretty much the whole time. And there were multiple cases where I moved him a little bit too far forward. I was a little bit too excited. And then, you know, uh, a cavalry knight would fly by, be a lot closer than I realized, and take him out. And then I'd have to rewind, think about it again, and go through. I like I like that particular thing. And the Fire Emblem's always been good at that. Now, it's funny that you bring up rock, paper, scissors, because they actually did remove the core rock, paper, scissors element in this game. And that's my biggest hit against the gameplay. So thank you. So explain. Yeah, please do. So let's go ahead and talk about the gameplay, um, particularly the combat. We've kind of talked a little bit through the month to month activities, which, which does make up a bulk of this game, but the actual strategy, uh, battles that play out here, let's talk about that briefly. So the one thing that this game does that other fire emblem games, have not done is it strips away the core rock paper scissors mechanic so in the past that you had sword axe and lance and then you have archery magic and flying and then cavalry and then heavy armor so like all of those have always been a part of it and there is like this dynamic going on but the core dynamic was always that sword beats axe 
axe beats lance and lance beats sword that was like rock paper scissors right there and so you paid attention to if that person it didn't matter if he was um on a pegasus it didn't matter if he had heavy armor if he had an axe and you were trying to go after him with a lance you were doomed um because the axe was going to overpower you and they took out that core and i didn't realize I was playing through the game and I was playing through it like I've played other Fire Emblems. It's like, okay, that guy's got an axe over there, so I'm going to make sure to send my sword guy after him. Um, and then it started to click that there wasn't a whole lot of difference. And then I realized that the combat arts are how they're compensating with that, where you can equip a combat art in your move that will then give you an advantage. So, like, there's a combat art against heavy armor, there's a combat art against. Um, like uh, any knight, there's like the knight kneeler combat art, so on. Uh, obviously, the monster combat arts were a pretty obvious one, and that was what they replaced that rock paper scissors mechanic with. And I thought that it was very lacking in that, especially towards the end of the game. Um, typically, towards the end of the game, my combat arts were making my actual damage being done lesser, which was really weird. I don't know if you noticed that, but like. I would yeah, have a, yeah. a sword character going up against, you know, a heavily armored dude, and it would yeah. be like, I'm going to take 40 points out of this. Okay, let me add on the the bane of armor or whatever, and that should increase that, right? And it's like, no, it dropped it down to only 20 yeah, hit points. Yeah. And I was I like, what in the well. world is going on yeah. with that? I didn't even um, use combat arts because they were, like, horrible against your weapon durability for no reason. Right, and they take away from your weapon durability. I would use them with my archers, just to get some range on there. Yeah, archers, archers. It seemed to work the best with, but everyone else, I was like, nah, don't even bother, <laughs> because it was. Yeah. Anyway, keep going. So, yeah, they they've removed that from this game, and I think it definitely suffers for that because they try to compensate with those combat arts, which isn't the same. And then on top of that, the whole dynamic of the field, like before, when you have that rock paper scissors, and again, some of that is still there. Like the flyers are weak to archers. The heavy armor is weak to magic, but that main three core is removed from this game, and that makes this less chess and more Katan. Yeah, more <laughs> random. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and I sense that as well. It's like, oh, your fire is weak to archery. Okay, you know that makes sense. That's totally fine. But like, th- then it would it wouldn't matter. It just, it never came up as a serious issue. It's like, yeah, I yeah. don't really care if they're weak. It's like their their speed or, or you know, defense is maxed out, so it doesn't matter. It's not going to hit anyway. Right. So it just didn't seem to matter. I was like, there was a huge opportunity missed for, you know, matchups. Because I never even thought about matchups. I just thought, yeah, my character's like three levels above theirs. It's going to be a slaughter. And then that's that. It, it yeah, was and if ne- you came across someone who was particularly hard... You just throw Byleth at them. Or exactly. The leader exactly. Of your <laughs> right. Yeah. So that I, it pulls away from that core in a way that I was very disappointed in because, like, if you've played the app, have you played the Fire Emblem mobile game? No. I, unfortunately, this is my only introduction to Fire Emblem. Okay. <laughs> unfortunate. Even in the so like the the app, the mobile game takes it to that core. It's just rock, paper, scissors, and it is so fun, and it's just this, it's a little tiny square grid on your phone. It's not a dynamic map at all, like what you'd have in Three Houses, but the way that they just take that 
core of Fire Emblem and utilize it to its purest gameplay format makes the app addicting and a ton of fun. And they've watered it down here for some reason. I just don't understand. Um, and that was that was definitely a bit of a bummer. But despite that, though, I still I still looked forward to the battles. I still had a good time with them. I loved strategizing. I loved kind of getting a layout of where all the other enemies were. I would I would highlight specific enemies that I knew would be a, a problem, so I could see their depth of attack and whatnot. Um, and I made sure that I paired up specific people. So like I'd send Byleth in one direction, I'd send Edelgard in the other direction, and then I'd give them support depending on that. So like the way that that actually plays out, I enjoyed thoroughly pretty much every time. And by the end of the game, that part two, those battles get very intense. You have to be very careful. And I really just, I, that's like Fire Emblem to me. And that's what I really loved about just playing this again. But again, it's it's lesser than previous Fire Emblems, which was such a bummer. Um, but I did I did like it. What did you think of the actual strategy? Yeah, the, the strategy on the battlefield and the combat and like move into the woods to give yourself an advantage or, or whatever else. There's a, there a couple of things that I thought were annoying. So like if I held on to, let's say for Byla, the Sword of the Creator, which gives you like a slight long distance uh situation going on yeah. as far as like you can attack diagonally and whatever else um which counts as long distance i thought the problem is that if i had here's what was so annoying it's like i would run out of uses for the sword of the creator mm-hmm. um or or be close to running out of uses so i would choose the steel sword or something simple to attack and it would be just as powerful as the sword of the creator except that it wouldn't decrease the durability of the weapon so i'd use the steel sword and then when i got counterattacked or, or rather, on the enemy's turn phase, when they attacked me, I'd still be using the steel sword. I wouldn't be using whatever was best for that situation. Does that make sense? So that was a yeah. little annoying, it was, which I guess I can forgive. Um, and then the combat to uh, something else was, it was like I could either choose a spot to stand and then be limited in my attack options, or I could choose an enemy to attack and be limited in my location options. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't give me, it didn't give me a, a good in between. It was like if you go here, you can only attack this way, or if you attack this person, this is what we recommend you attack. There was no like, like the grid was only red and blue. You can go here or you can't go here. There was no, there was no. Here's your long range choice. Here's your short range choice. You know what I mean? Like it wouldn't have been that difficult to say, here's a yellow brick for you to do a long range attack if you're an archer or whatever or a mage or something. Here's a red for a short range attack. Here's a blue for whatever, you know, just a movement or something like that. Here's a green for when you can heal, which they did do green for the heal. But I'm saying like, why didn't they go further than that? So the combat, even though it was the most satisfying part of the game, still and I'm not even a game designer. I was like, there are obvious, obvious changes to be made here. Like, th- these seem like really straightforward things. But, you know, it, it was, I have to admit, very satisfying for, like, Byleth, who I gave all of my power-ups to. Like, you know the little, um, not the little, talisman. Like, man thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah Those are all power-ups, right? right? I gave them all the Byleth. I just made an indefeatable, undefeatable character. Uh, and, and so she was just my spear for every attack. 
um, and I just sent her right to the hardest boss. I mean, there were some boss fights that I finished in three turns because I just sent her right to the front. I, right. One of my characters learned warp, so I would have them move as right. far forward as possible and then warp her as close to the enemy boss as possible. No one could touch her, and then she'd just go right to the boss and beat him in one hit. It was like, I know that's casual. Like, I got away with it because it's casual. But at the same time, I was like, mm, mm, maybe I'm taking away from my own experience by doing that. But it, it just ended up being, like, the way to keep things less tedious because I just was getting bogged down with some of the things. Now, here's one thing where the game shines. The maps. I really enjoyed the maps. Yeah. You have to you have to move around houses. You have to move in and out of woods. I really enjoyed the maps. One thing I didn't enjoy, though, was the zoom in and zoom out feature. On any other Switch game, pressing the plus button on your controller pauses the game. On this right. one, it zooms you in. <laughs> I was like, what? Like, I, it, it got me so many times to like hit the plus button, zoom in. I was like, no, 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 that's not what I wanted. I wanted to pause the game. Um, but no, the combat was enjoyable for specifically for like beating the snot out of people. That's fine. And then it's funny too. Like Claude wanted to be a wyvern rider with an axe. Isn't that isn't that what Edelgard, Edelgard ended up being? I okay. So she wasn't supposed to be. I had oh, multiple okay, okay, people okay. in my house that, like, I, I basically, once I realized, okay, I need to give them particular goals, and then sure, I'm going sure. to move them towards specific classes, Yeah. I sat down, I read through all the classes, and then I actually, on my phone, on my notes, I listed out what I wanted each person to become at that end level, the advanced. Now, I didn't realize there was going to be a master. That was very frustrating. Um but I got so I like looked at the advance, picked who I wanted for what, and then I changed all their goals. So even if they came up to me and were like, "Hey, I want to do this instead," I was like, "Nope, I know what you're gonna be." Um, so Edelgard, I kind of cheesed on that. She was supposed to just be like a heavy armor axe character, um, and I made her a wyvern rider. So yeah, and well, it, it's, it's weird because in in my game, Claude was an archer. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's like Claude starts as an arch- archer, and then he comes to you. Some way through, like, part two. Actually, okay, so here's what happens. Uh, spoiler for our listeners. At part two, there's a time gap of, like, five years, I think. So your characters come back to you, and they have slightly different abilities. And all of a sudden, Claude came back to me as a wyvern rider with an axe. I was like, dude, you started as an archer. How did this happen? <laughs> but then he says to me, like, the character says to me, no, actually, it's like tradition for my people to end up as wyvern riders. I was like, why were you an act like a, a bow major the entire time then? Like, where, wh- why did I waste all my time doing this? Which kind of goes back to the whole the, store, the sword stat for my lance user. It's like, why is the game pushing these different, like, random things? Like, I don't understand at times. So, yeah. We started talking about combat. Um, I guess just to you know get back, we'll we'll keep talking about the combat. But like, it ended up being like, you really have to hone your characters and specialize. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed mm-hmm. choosing specializations for my characters. That was enjoyable. But then there was like really convoluted reasons for equipping different things. A staff. A staff is technically a weapon, but it never gets worn out. It's just an equipment. It's like it's just an equipment. Exactly. It's so it never gets worn out. So I was like, wait, I thought, but isn't a staff because it was like serious stat bonus when you use a staff for your magic. Mm -hmm. Serious. Like it's Mm -hmm. not nothing. I was like, I was contemplating. I I found my first staff, 
and I use it and it never wore out, is like, why aren't all of my characters mages? I did, like, this is immediately where I want to turn the direction of it. So there was like, a, a, like I said, convoluted reasons for like different things wearing out and others not. I, I didn't quite understand that, but I guess a staff isn't directly hitting someone, so it's not going to wear out. Fair enough, whatever. But I, I just found it unclear at times. And it, it took me Certainly. a long time to figure out how to equip different things to different people and how to get that person to sell something off or, you know, give it right to the convoy. And the convoy especially really made combat tedious because some characters would have things I could sell taking up an equipment slot for no reason. So there's just a lot going on. So were you going, so were you just like starting battles? Because like before every battle, I went like exhaustively went through all of my people. I sold off items. I gave them the best equipment I could, and then I'd start. And then after that battle, I I'd take a damage report, see which ones which weapons had been worn out, make sure they have a yeah. backup in case they use it all, and then yeah. I'd jump back in. Before um, were before you just every battle, in? no, 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 not every time. Before every battle, like if I knew, because I would do some of that prep work at in my explorer version or just in the pause menu or whatever, I would do some of that prep before the battle, so it didn't really matter. But but other times, definitely, I would go to the forge, which is kind of odd, too, because you're at the battlefield. You can clearly see it in the background, but it still gives you the option to go to the forge. So I was like, oh, all right. Um, but you could, but, but you go to the forge, you repair all of your broken weapons, and then... Um, then you start the battle, right? Which, which is whatever. But I just again found it tedious that certain characters would like hold on to some items unless I sent them to the convoy and then sold them that way. Like it would take yeah. up an, an, an equipment slot to ha- for them to have like a thousand coins or something like that. Yeah, so, like if you got like bullion on the map, yeah, um, yeah, it'd be in your inventory. Or yeah. if someone broke their lance, that'd be sitting there, even though yes. it's unusable. Yes. Uh, yeah, exactly. And that's still an option in the combat for you to use a broken lance. A- and you can actually still do some damage, so it's deceiving. It's like, oh, I'll just, you know, I can use a broken lance. And then you realize, oh, you know, I just used a broken weapon. I didn't have to. Uh, the other thing, too, the slight, like, there's a gap between the weapon that's equipped and the weapon that's possible. So I didn't, in my mind's eye, I didn't actually always see that they had a weapon equipped that was broken. So that was mm-hmm. annoying. Like it was, it was up like two slots. It was out of the main list of like what's on their person. So I missed that a couple times. That was annoying. Um, no, I, I, I mean, I jumped in a couple battles like right on. Yes. At first, because I didn't know that I could adjust so much before a battle. Um, I, I figured that out later, obviously, but again, it was still, it, it was kind of annoying to have to balance the whole convoy thing that that mm-hmm. that bothered me a little bit um yeah but. i guess like from what i'm picking up it seems like it was a fault of you just not knowing the game and it being a really steep yes. learning curve because yes of that. i'm brand because, new to the game yes absolutely you're right yeah because i'm going in with that foreknowledge and i've played them before and i kind of mm-hmm. have a feel for what all these items do and whatnot so like mm-hmm. i was able to adjust okay enough to the super annoying level yeah took menus. it in stride Took it in stride, just yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I could see why that would be frustrating for someone who is just being introduced to all this stuff and yeah. not able to get a grip on it. What did you think of the um, just enemy variety throughout the combat? 
I liked the enemy variety. I thought it was fine. It's like they have mages, they have archers, they have archers on horses, they have lancers on horses. They have that whole added level of complexity of being on a creature or not on a creature, you know, uh, attacking and then you can move afterwards, whereas most characters can only attack and stay there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that I loved all that complexity. Again, where the game could shine is where your mind goes to when you think of like hyper interactive chess with a little bit of chance involved, with some weapons of war involved, that kind of a thing. Um, like what actually happens between the knight and the pawn on the battlefield, not just mm-hmm. you swap swapping the pieces. You know what I mean? So, yep. excuse me. So that absolutely shined through as like what this game could be, and I really enjoyed that. Um, excuse uh, me. What did you think but of the monsters? That was the monsters were great. Game. The monsters were my favorite part because they were pretty straightforward. It's like I have three or four or whatever health bars, and to beat me, you got to double team me and prioritize me, or else I'm just going to wreck you. And I have area splash damage, and I have whatever else. That was fun. The monster battles really enjoyed those. Although, as far as like with the story is concerned, the fact that students turn into monsters gets like <laughs> lost halfway through, and no one seems to care anymore. Like there was like, one. Per- there was one particular battle near the end where I really, okay, so I really liked how they would change the dynamic of the battles sometimes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like you would be moving in one direction and then you'd get flanked by reinforcements yep. all of a yep. sudden and you had to yep. totally change your strategy. Up. I enjoyed that, yes. And there was one particular battle against Dimitri at the very end of the game where his general, like I got close. I, I literally was like, okay, ready to go take on Dimitri. I've cleared out the rest of the map. I'm going to move all my forces close to where his enemy forces are, and I like line them all up right outside of his uh, attack radius, and then his general transformed into a monster, took me by surprise, and then took out one of my archers, and I was like, oh, that was a surprise. I had no clue that that was going to happen, so I had to rewind and go back and then... uh, fix that issue like going in with that foreknowledge and so i appreciated those little moments um where and and yeah they don't they kind of i guess they do kind of like from a story perspective kind of write off the monster thing and don't explore it on the level that i thought that they were going to um and that's that kind of like talking about the story that happened a few times yes let's talk about the story yeah they would introduce things and it it seemed like it was going to have a bigger like yep sell out sell off at the end yep. and it just and falls it just flat. yeah 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 like um, so Jer- anything else you want to say about gameplay before we move on no I'm, I'm content with the gameplay it just frustrated me and also too it frustrated me like the abilities you gain are random like i have some characters right. just wrecking everybody and they only have three abilities it's like mm-hmm. not even enough to fill up the ability tier list and then i have other characters that just happen along some person or counterattack. like they're not even my main focus and they just survive a counterattack and they gain an ability so many so that i don't even have use of them like there's excess abilities like i yeah. had um i had like uh lorenz was one of my greatest like mages whatever he never had a full ability sheet never Freaking i used him constantly i know he's an obnoxious character but but he was a great mage when i finally specialized him but then liani say like completely like a very much a b-level character like i i didn't really she didn't level up fast enough for me to like use her primarily on the battlefield because i used auto teach all the time so 
my characters who leveled up were randomly generated, but it mm. ended up being like the same four people or whatever. So anyway, um, so Liani was very much a B tier character, and she just got kept raking in the abilities. By the time I was done, she probably had like twelve abilities, and you can only <laughs> use six of them. So it's like, what's the point? Like I just didn't understand. And, and like one of some of them were abilities that didn't even make sense. Like she's a lancer. And she has like sword abilities and axe abilities. I'm like, what? yeah. <laughs> well, like, what? Yeah, I had that happen with Bernadette, what? my archer. She had like three lance abilities, and I was like, I've never used a lance with you. Oh, Bernadette's a sword, cool. Like, once Bernadette's like always in her chambers. That's so funny to me. I um, I ended up uh, marrying Bernadette at the end. <laughs> really? That's so <laughs> she, funny, dude. I wanted okay, so I wanted um, Manuela, and I botched that. I wanted Edelgard, and I botched that. But like, I s- somehow kept up my relationship with Bernadette um, and uh, Dorothea. And I was hoping to get Petra, but at one point, I don't know what happened, but I just forgot to like focus on Petra. And so I, I didn't get that option. But So I ended up marrying Bernadette at the end. But yeah, I don't like, even... I... Sorry, go ahead. No, I don't even remember if my character married anyone. I don't think they did. No? No, but may, I had the chick. My chick... Uh, Byleth married. I don't actually remember, dude. I don't remember seeing my character marry anyone. It's at the very end. Like no, I know. I, I like like Liani, for instance, ended up a drunk, a drunk who never paid her bar tab. <laughs> Literally, that was the ending phrase. It was like, yeah, she has several unpaid bar tabs across the land. I was like, seriously. <laughs> um, Claude ended up marrying Marianne, my healer, which was that was cool, but I didn't intend for that to happen. It just happened. I was like, I, yeah. I don't, I don't get it. Whatever. So the whole romancing thing was completely lost on me. That would have been a yeah. really cool dynamic from past games. That would have absolutely set me up for disappointment for this game. So it, like. You know, just add that to the list. But, but um, so your character ended up marrying Bernadette. Yeah, That's yeah, funny. yeah. So getting back to it, yeah, I definitely had combat arts. So like Bernadette had like Lance ones and several other characters too. Like I just didn't. But she's an archer, right? She was an archer. Yeah, right. Um, so it was kind of weird. But the mages don't get combat arts because they get more spells. Like they'll get like more books of spells that they can use in different situations so it's kind of a trade-off like they don't they don't get all those combat arts per se but they get say they have nosferatu yeah. and then they have death and then they have um hades and so on and so forth yeah r- um, roughly the same idea really but yeah kind of the same yeah. idea but again they're like all of these little things in the combat it's it's complex but it's obtuse and it's, well, it's not it's obtuse. explained it's obtuse because it's random. It's like and it's if random, you yeah. if you had if you had like oh, okay you're gonna achieve the ability to warp if you beat an enemy that was like the furthest away on the battle map and you just went out and wrecked them then all of a sudden you learn the ability warp that would make sense to me but like mm-hmm. I had B tier characters turning into like S tier level characters because of one ability that they happened to get randomly it just didn't hmm. make sense like it was. I felt so out of control this entire game. I literally felt like <laughs> Carrie Underwood saying, Jesus, take the wheel while playing this game. I, I just had no control. Everything felt so random. And um, so, okay. So Your we, frustration is hilarious to me. I feel like I, you would benefit from multiple playthroughs. 
Probably. You're exactly right. I want to play but it on you, harder, and I want to choose a different house. So let's tell the listeners. you also like, don't want to because you're you're so soured on it ugh, after that first playthrough. Yes. I mean, I you'd eventually get to the point where it's like, okay, I have to jump through these three hoops to get to my characters getting the best armor, right? And eventually you learn it, yes. But, like, trying to learn it is exhausting. Anyway, yeah. besides the point. So let's talk about the story real quick because uh, we had a phone call just before we started recording and I was confused about – so in, let me break down the story from my perspective. So my perspective is I choose Claude. He seems the most suave. He's dark-haired. He's attractive. He's an archer. That makes sense to me. I'm a swordsman, right? So your main character is a swordsman. He's an archer. I was like, okay, perfect. Makes sense. So we, we pair up, right? He's the Leicester allowance – or alliance. I keep saying allowance. Alliance, whatever. So what happens in my storyline is that the Adrestian um, Empire takes over everything. Edelgard takes over the whole realm or whatever, and Dimitri and I, Dimitri as in like the blue lions or whatever, and me as the golden deer are left outside of that conversation. Turns out when we finally do beat Edelgard or whatever, she's been holding back like a bunch of baddies or whatever else, and I have to beat the baddies. And then I have to beat the baddies' final boss. And then I have to... Whatever. So that's how my storyline went. Is like Edelgard took over and created this empire. And we had to beat back the empire. Although, to be honest with you, I was like, why? It's fine. Like, one unified body is all together. And they're trying to, like, create unity in the land. Why are we fighting them for no reason? Anyway, that's besides the point. How did your storyline play out? So that's interesting that it's tied to Edelgard taking over because that happened for me, but on the other side of it, and I got some nuance as to why that happened. Okay. Um, so you start out, you become a professor. There's like this whole like plot line with Lady Rhea and how uh, her and Byleth are connected and Geralt and where he came from. And you kind of get a feel for what's going on there. Well, many of the early enemies that you're fighting against like the death knight um i can't remember who that made that wizard dude's name is or whatever like a few of them it's weird because there's like this uh red knight uh-huh. but that's that has like this helmet and you're seeing in cutscenes them kind of like all talk all these enemies and you think they're all on the, the same side but then it turns out that they're they're working together in some cases, but they're not on the same page in other cases. And there's clearly some, uh, like, some pact that's been made in order to further something, but neither side trusts each other and things like that. And so, like, you're not totally sure what's going on, but you know that these enemies are unified for now. Yes. Um, but at the same time, they've turned on each other in the past. And, like, and in one particular battle, I remember the, the red helmet knight i don't remember what the, the name was for it was was that person in your story yeah he was but then he disappeared and i didn't understand like where he featured after that i don't know it was weird okay so yeah so what happened was the death knight the mage and the like evil chick who was like hiding out in the monastery yep yep um were all part of the Adrestrian empire the mage and the evil chick were kind of like for hires who were like doing their own thing. And the death knight is loyal to the red helmet knight. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm making it sound more com- like the more I'm saying it, the more weird it sounds. But it turns out that the red helmet knight is actually Edelgard. 
Yes. Um, yes. And she and the Death Knight are both part of the Empire, and these two other characters are were like for hire, but they were kind of against them toward the end. Like by the end, she turns on them. She realizes that they're, what they're doing is wrong. Um, and Edelgard is trying to basically consolidate the Empire again. Yes. Because it used to be one Empire under her. Uh, the kingdom was split and then the alliance kind of came out of that as well and at the start they're all kind of like having a good time but like in the background edelgard is slowly preparing for this and specifically to overthrow the church okay okay yes because the church uh the church of saros which is the garag mock monastery that's what lady rea is in charge of the church right the church is actually the big bad at least in my storyline that was the big bad yes um and it was because they were basically manipulating all of the different kingdoms and keeping them at odds when they wouldn't have been otherwise. And Rhea is after the goddess who is in Byleth. Um, and she wants she views the goddess... Um, I can't think of her name. Saros? Uh, Sophis. Sophis. Sophis, yeah. So she views the goddess as hers, and it's supposed to be her. She thought that she was the descendant of the goddess, and that was supposed right. to be... Uh, her birthright or whatever, and Byleth is actually the one who receives that. And so Edelgard is very sympathetic in my timeline because she she's trying to stop Lady Rhea from receiving the goddess and basically ruling with an iron fist. And to do that, Rhea has to kill Byleth. Um, and so you, at one point, you there's one battle where I was fighting, I was taking out one of the mages and then it turned out that they were working for lady Rhea and that lady Rhea was trying to kill me and then edelgard swoops in i have to fight edelgard and then it gives me a decision whether i kill edelgard or side with her on the whole thing and then at that point it switched five years jumped into the future and edelgard's in control and then from there you march on and you take out the other kingdoms but the whole core is to get to Lady Rhea and take her out. Okay. Um, so then the okay. Death Knight joins your team. It turns out he's just a, a member of the Adrestrian Empire, and he's on your side. And he was actually legit. <laughs> he was a great character to use. <laughs> so that was my story. What happens to Claude at the end? So I so first you take on the Lester Alliance um, in order to break them down, because they're trying to stay out of the war. The kingdom uh, under Dimitri has sided with Lady Rhea and the church, and the Lester Alliance is just trying to stay out of it. Yeah. And um, so we go in, you march in, you take them out, and then when I got to Claude, I was given the option to spare him or kill him. So I spared him, and then he basically said, I'm going to leave the continent for now um, just so that I don't get in the way of the empire getting formed because he was the only reason that the Alliance was even fighting in the first place. Yeah. Um, and so they uni- unify behind, uh, Edelgard and then Claude ends up coming back at the end, but I have to end up killing Dimitri because he is trying to basically expand his kingdom, um, and work for the church, which the church is corrupt. So that's right. how it all worked out for me. Okay. So, Okay, that's that. Okay, so that sounds consistent. It's just that I play the other side of the field. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- there are slight differences. However, did, did do you have to kill uh, Dimitri eventually? Yes. 
Okay. It didn't so, give me the option to spare him. Yes, exactly. Okay, so that's the same thing that happened. So spoilers ahead, obviously, for listeners. Um, so I played with Claude, and the whole perspective of Claude is that the Empire took over unfairly and are trying to oppo- like impose tyranny on everyone. And Dimitri gets beat up, so he's weakened, and he ends up with like an eye patch or something weird. And he's like off to the side or whatever. Eventually... Like Dimitri, the the third house, the, you know, I'm I'm opposed immediately to Edelgard as I'm with Claude because he's the rebellion, I guess. And then Dimitri just dies. Like it's like a side note, literally. It's like, oh yeah, huh. um, he like tripped and then they stabbed him. Like I kid you not, that's how he dies. The other part of the house, that's how he dies. So I'm I'm opposed to um, Edelgard, and I am not given the option. Violet just chops her head off or whatever. You don't see that, obviously. Um, and then I find out that Edelgard was actually trying to beat, like, other people or something like that. Like, the bad juju or something. So I have, oh, to, fight, yeah. I have to fight multiple bosses after Edelgard. Um, yep. I'd imagine you probably had to do something after you beat Claude or whatever. Like, you have to beat Dimitri and beat the church. So from my side of the aisle, the church is actually, like, a good thing. Um, they represent stability and lady Rhea is a good thing so she ends the game like surviving i guess or something like that um hmm. I, I can't really remember so like from my perspective the church is a good thing and lady Rhea is a priority saving her so that that's interesting but it's 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 pleasing to me to find out that each of the characters were consistent just from different perspectives you know what i mean yeah yeah edelgard is really like she definitely has a um a harsh side to her like there's one point where I was given an option to go on this mission and it said this mission is going to fundamentally change how the game plays out. So I was like, okay. So I went and did it. This was in the first half before all the um, tension explodes. And she basically undermined. So like her empire, her father got um, executed and her uncle's in charge. And her uncle is in charge of the people who slither in the darkness who are yes, like yes yes that was also evil, mentioned in my yeah yeah they're like this evil group but they're very like in shadows nobody knows what's going on with them and it turns out that early mage and that early chick who assassinate Geralt um, are a part of them and Edelgard is trying to eradicate them take over her empire and then yes. also take out the church so yes. she in that mission that they gave me she basically undermines her uncle she like has a secret coronation and becomes the emperor um unbeknownst to him and then the war breaks out because lady rhea tries to force her hand and then after that um her and her uncle are working together but it's very tense um just because they're trying to expand the empire and at the end of the game once i beat the church um the the credits basically say that they go through byleth um edelgard uh, ferdinand all those people who are loyal to the to the empire go through and eradicate all the people who are slithering in darkness. Mm. Um, but you don't actually play any of that. It ends with defeating lady Rhea. So, whoa, whoa, your game ends with defeating lady Rhea. Yeah. Oh, my game ends with defeating the person who slithers in the darkness. It's like a reawakened, uh, the, the warrior named nemesis. Interesting. Yeah. It's a totally different ending. Huh? See, that's that's okay, so I like this game for its 
its willingness to go in these very clear di- the opposite directions. Yes, yes. In the story, totally agree and you, with you. Like, like the actual overarching story is really cool. I, I'll, I'll say that right now. Like the stuff that we're explaining, maybe kind of sounds a little dumb when we're talking about it, but like, well, at least when I'm talking about it, Jared, everything that you say is amazing, and I love hearing every word that you speak. But um, <laughs> like it. It's gut wrenching, especially in the second half. It is when it is. You're having you're to take war. out your friends. You're having to like literally eliminate your friends. Yeah, yeah. And I spent you spend the first half of this thing yep. talking to everybody in the yep. uh, monastery. You're trying to get other students under your team, whatever. And it's all happy yep. go lucky. And there's like some mysterious stuff going on, but you're not exactly sure. And then it all explodes, and it's like, of course it was going to happen. Yeah, like. They even talk about at the beginning, like, it's very clear this is peacetime. Each of these different houses are from different parts of the country with their own interests. Yep. They have to be loyal. Yes. Yeah, they're all loyal to different things. And so, yeah, it's going to come to a head. And then when it did, it was heartbreaking because then you're in all these battles where you're facing the other students who are now older, more experienced, and you're you're straight up killing them. You have to kill them. Yes. Yes. You take them out. Like, I... I killed Lorenz, <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and I, you know, I killed everyone in Dimitri's house as well. And it was like it was very, it was very sad. Um, and certainly, I could picture that, like on the other side, like flipping that, having played through this particular timeline, and then say going and doing Claude's. I feel like it would like break my heart to have to kill the students from my first house, you know, uh-huh, uh-huh. to kill Petra and to kill Bernadette and so on. Oh, Petra um, was annoying. So, <laughs> like in the in the final boss, dude. Like, let me. This is a funny thing that happened. Literally, I'm about to get to Edelgard, which is like the first of like <laughs> four final bosses, dude. Like, the, from my timeline, I had like, like I said, four final bosses. It was ridiculous. Anyway, besides the point, um, the final boss being a reincarnation of Nemesis, which was who, who Lady Rhea defeated in the original cutscene. Right. Do you remember that? So, like, yeah. Yep. So. That guy is who I finally beat in the final thing. Like, so that's interesting that we're on different. I wonder how it plays out with Dimitri. Um, anyway, besides yeah. the point. So um, Petra, funny story. She was so quick. I kid you not. Her dexterity or whatever speed, I don't know what the stat is, is so good that literally all eight of my characters could not hit her. But you know nice. how it says like miss when you like, you know, obviously mm-hmm. miss someone? Literally. Everyone from Zagreus or Byleth, whatever, down to my weakest character, none of them hit her. She wiped out half of my team. I kid you not, dude. I was like, what the heck? And then we got to Edelgard and she died in one hit. So I was like, okay, whatever. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, it was was like frustrating. It was all get out. That's funny. Yeah. So I I don't even know. I was like, man, I should have recruited Petra. What the heck? But um, I ended up with like Sylvain and um, who's the other person I had? I can't remember. Some like swordsman, I can't remember, whatever. But uh, but yeah, so so okay, so we have just established like storyline for this game, actually complex, in depth, and epic. Totally the agree. Overarching with you. story. Yes, the overarching, the possibilities. But man, can you imagine their budget for voice acting? Yeah, <laughs> like they've had to like hire people to like. You know, voice actors who did a pretty decent job. I, like, I'll be honest. Like, it's they had bad. to say they had to say some pretty cringy, cheesy lines, 
especially, oh my God. The final thing where I had, like, me and Claude were taken down the final baddie or whatever, and Claude's like, our hearts united. <laughs> like, two people as one. Oh, man. <laughs> Cheesy, dude. It was cheesier than an extra cheese, extra large pizza. It was ridiculous. Oh but, but, like, the voice actors sold it. Like, I, I was pretty, like, okay, that's pretty good. Like, I don't like dub anime, but this was good. So, um, yeah. yeah. But so yeah, not, not Zelda from Breath of the Wild. Exactly. Yeah, much, much better. Seriously, even for the cheesy lines that they had, they went all out getting the most professional voice actors, and it really paid off. It was good stuff. I can't even deny that. But I'll, but I'll be honest, at times, the conversations between characters, the whatever else, was pretty daggum cheesy. Can't even lie to you. This is okay. So this is the point I was about to bring up. Overarching story is great, but a lot of that moment-to-moment stuff, as you're getting to know people and so on, all the minor things is Weak. pretty generic. Yes, and kind of boring. Yes, totally agree. And you know, nobody like outside of Elgard, nobody else really has a character arc. At yes. least not in my house. Yeah, I mean, other than the people they marry, but that's almost like a side thing. It's like yeah. it doesn't even really. Yeah, totally agree. Like and I and I I went into this thinking like that it was going to be like a Hades style like oh every time that this person talks I'm gonna learn something more about yeah, them yeah it, it matters right and like learn a little bit more about their plight or their you know their background and that that happened here and there but it was never anything particularly interesting um, and a lot of the early conflicts that they set up are are good but they don't do anything with it like in my house I'm not sure how it played out in yours but like you have the royals. And then you have the commoners. And there was a, a dichotomy between them. Like Dorothea yes. was a commoner. Yeah. And so any no. conversation that she had with uh, uh, Linhart or uh, Ferdinand was like, that was the the tension there, you know? Yeah. And no, it was she this, it knew was, that they were looking down at her. Yeah, it was the same in mine, actually. It was okay. the same in mine. Yeah. Yeah. So like they they have moments like that, and like you're right, there are moments where like they're like talking bad at each other, and then they they grow in support, which is weird. Uh, but they don't move past that. Like by the end of the game, Linhart, who is like this sleepy academic, is still a sleepy academic, and Bernadette, who is this shut in, super awkward and terrified of everything, is still kind of that way. Yeah. Um, and since I married her at the end, that gives like this little, you know, the, like the final saying or whatever, talking about how she um, has now grown to the point that she isn't afraid of everything, of anything. But that doesn't happen during the game. <laughs> so uh-huh. like uh-huh. they just don't progress yeah. despite how much time you're putting into it. Yeah. And Weak. how many support conversations you're forced yes. to read through. Yeah. Weak character arcs for everyone except for the house of the the whatever, the house you choose, yeah. So, that part of it's a disappointment. And, like I said earlier, like, there's several plot points that are just, like, really easy to get lost in or don't seem like they pay off at all um, or hinting at things that aren't the case later. Um, And maybe that's just, like, them trying to build in world lore, but it didn't work for me. Yeah. I So I ended up, towards the end of the game, the most effective strategy for me to continue getting better was actually to choose, every time I had a day off, was either to rest and reinvigorate uh, the Sword of the Creator or to do a seminar. Because seminars, like, I mean, I could take six characters and, like, they would drastically increase in power level. 
So that ended up being my go-to either to rest or to do a seminar because like with the monastery, exploring the monastery didn't seem to be like, it didn't seem to be helpful half the time. I was very disappointed. I was like, why, why am I doing this? It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't make sense half the time. It's like yep. the, the training that I do get from having someone train me is like minimal. It's like an increase of 10%. What, what am I doing this when I could just have a seminar? So um, I ended up choosing that half the time. So I was a little disappointed at, I felt like by the time at the end of the game, and here's the other weird thing too, part two feels exactly like part one, even though everyone's five years older. Is that, did you notice that? It was like, like everyone comes back after some big event, whatever, and they're all the exact same. They're all interested in having classes and and sure. te- teaching <laughs> seminars. And I was like, "What? Why are we? What are we doing this for?" Um, I don't know. It's just that uh, there's a, there's a lot going on. But eventually, explore the explore option just got tedious. And I was mm-hmm. like, uh, "I don't really want to do this. I'd rather." No, just I do agree. A, the last yeah. like three, especially in part two, as I was like yep. really itching to see those credits, I was like, yep. "Okay, skip, 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 skip. Let's get through this as fast as possible." Um, yeah, seminars, rest so that sort of the creator can get better. At yeah. the, the first part, okay, so I think this whole game, uh, particularly the story, but even some of the other stuff could have been streamlined uh-huh. and been so much better. Uh-huh. Like, instead of 50 hours, get it down to 30. I mean, if yes. you did it in 30, maybe that's a little different, but like, like part one went on way longer than it needed to, and then part two, for me anyway, was over like like in a snap. And I was like, that was the more interesting part, in my opinion. And it, like, that first part just dragged on for so long. Yeah. Um, yeah, it did. And then, and then, yeah, if things didn't, if you didn't wrap up particular, like, things with particular students or whatnot, then you lose the opportunity to do that going forward. Yeah. So, it, like, pacing was just poor. Um, at the end of the day, when you look back on it, it has a really cool overarching story, but I think it could have benefited from some streamlining for sure. Just yeah. knock off some of those months stream, like, and then make some of the like jumps in power a little bit more strong, you know, so that it sure, seems like you're sure. actually doing something with it. Yes. Yeah. I think that would have benefited greatly. It, it, it suffers from its size. I would say. Yes, I agree. It tries to do too much. And it's more like a smorgasbord than a finely paced five-course meal. You know, it's more like a buffet of too many options. Like you just can't get to all of them. That was, the, that was the overwhelming frustration, too, when I chose, like, the challenge option, like, or rather, mission option, rather. It's like, mm-hmm. you, could, you could either get, like, a paralog battle was taking one of the people of your house and going and... Um, fighting a battle in there, you know, for them that they're like kind of leading the story on. And then you get a special weapon at the end of it, right? Like that's great, but it didn't matter because like I said before, I never got the materials to upgrade those weapons. So eventually, (laughs) seriously, like eventually once I used them out, they just died because I couldn't reforge them. It didn't make a difference. Yeah. The blacksmith was stupid. I hated all that stupid extra material. And I was like, where do I get the umber or whatever it is? It's like umber steel or something stupid. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. That's you're exactly right. So, so that was part of it. Um, um, I, I lost my train of thought, but it was, it was was, the, the explore op. No, no, no. Here's what I was going to say. The chat, the mission option trying to do, you can't do all of them. You can't do all of them. No. And those are the, those are the random loot drops. 
Like those are where you get the materials to reforge or to build new items or to do the steel sword plus. Yay. Um, it, like that's where you got that stuff and you can't do all of them because you have a limited number of activity points and doing a challenge takes up your whole day, not just one activity point. So it was, I don't know. And like, where was the chance to do mock battles? Excuse me. You had mock training where you could go to the training center and like set your person up. And as long as you kept refilling their health and they kept dominating everyone, you would get a monetary reward at the end. But where was like the mock battles where you could practice battles? Where was that? Like if this yeah, is the whole, I mean, it's it, that's kind of built into the the battle option, right? Or the mission option. Like there were some times where like a group of church knights were like, "Hey, let's all practice on the field." Um, okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. You're right. Yeah, but it yeah, was never. Right. It was never like um, valuable. I felt mm-hmm. like I didn't think. Well, it was an actual mission. I guess that's where I'm drawing the line. Is like you actually got a reward for practicing with those knights, right? Like it wasn't mm-hmm. actually, but it took up activity points to do that as opposed to right. if you choose explore the monastery, by the time you level up completely, you have maximum six activity points. You, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you can have yep. tea six times or you can have a meal and then have tea and then do training and, and, and whatever else. But I just felt like the monastery, like, wasn't used to its full potential either. Like, you you no. didn't have, yeah. So there, there, was, there was just a lot. I just felt like, I think, Josh, I probably definitely would have enjoyed this game much more had I played maybe even the most recent Fire Emblem game, Fire Emblem game before this one. But, man, coming in as a newcomer, it was just, it was raw. I can't yep. even lie to you. It was difficult to get into. I wanted to love this game. I saw so much potential, and I just couldn't. I couldn't fall in love with it. There was too many stumbling blocks along the way. I couldn't. I yep. couldn't do it. A lot of fat that could have been trimmed to make this yeah. a better experience. I think a lot of content that could have been fleshed out to make it richer, and it just felt tedious. Like the building relationships with students could have been so rich, but it seemed so like side questy like it didn't mm-hmm. matter it just yeah. it was disheartening and then yeah but the story for sure like held so many stakes like having to kill people that you almost recruited just in part one you know what i mean so the the story really shined well it's just that the execution of it like we've been saying really lacked mm-hmm it's it's killed by its own ambition i would say yeah what do you think I, so to wrap up the conversation sorry were yeah. you gonna throw something i was just gonna say like if it, you probably bring a good point like it tried to do persona 5 and just failed like it tried to reach too far beyond what it was and didn't exceed at anything you know right so 100 yeah so I, maybe that's that's just my hypothesis of what they tried to do just failed maybe they should have stuck to uh, uh stuck to the basics a bit more yeah no i i definitely agree with that uh, to wrap up our conversation, this has been a long one. Lots of ranting, which I love. <laughs> what did you think of the presentation? So that would be the the graphics, the animations, the music. What did you think of that part of the game? <sighs> the graphics were fine if we were still playing games in 2012. <laughs> 
Dude, I'm sorry. I just like I just was unimpressed. I just didn't think it was good. I you know, we we have in our midst cyberpunk. You know what this felt like? It felt yeah. like 2011 Skyrim. I'm so, no, okay. All right. All right. All right I lied. I lied. I lied. It felt like 2015 um, you know, Far Cry. Like it just didn't feel like super Modern. I like the art style because it reminded me a little bit of comics and like anime a little bit. So like I enjoyed it and whatever else. But like, man, it, the animations are weak because, like for instance, I had Hilda. Hilda is one of my one of my teammates. She did this like whole like pump your fists in your face thing. Like imagine two fists are in front of your face and you just drag them down your chest a couple times. Like you're super excited. Like yay! She did that for everything. So it was like repeated, <laughs> it was like repeated, I'm so sorry. It was like repeated motions for like, she's making a serious phrase and you just see her as a dialogue crosses the screen doing a fist pump and you're like, oh, it doesn't quite fit. Nice try though. And I just kept feeling that over and over and over again. I, the animations were sharp. The mouths lined up decently, not perfectly, of course, but decently with the animation and it was sharp. It looked good. Running around was fine. The battle animations were fine. Although, like, sometimes you jump back in the map. Like, <sighs> there was just issues. It didn't feel like 2021 it or 2019. Yeah. It, it felt like 2015 or 2012. You know what I mean? So yeah. uh, I, I wasn't super impressed with that. But it was fine. It didn't bother me too much, you know. How about music? Music was fine. I thought the music was fine. Uh, music didn't bother me. Again, the dialogue was a little cheesy, but the voice acting was superb. I have to give that to them. Voice acting was great. Better than Xenoblade? Yes. Yeah, Xenoblade was a little cringy at times, and I felt like the, uh, and and Breath of the Wild too, like Zelda especially, is cringy. Um, But the voice acting for Fire Emblem is not distracting. It's actually very convincing. So points to them for that, for sure. My two cents would be that the animation is very stiff. Yes. Like, all the cutscenes are just people, they very stiffly walk up, they stand, and then you go through the dialogue. Yes, you know? exactly. Yes. And they're standing there, and like the camera will look look at one, and then look at the other, and then yeah. look at one, and look at the other. And that's how all of them play out, regardless of whether they're talking to an enemy or yep. whatever. And yep. that is... Every now and then they sprinkle in like a 3D animated cutscene, but even those were like, I don't know, a little gritty, like, a little gritty. Yeah, like bad yeah. intro anime song. Yes, 3D, like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure season one, 3D. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Not. No, great. you're right. So you're like, right. Even in that way, like it wasn't. It didn't have like a Nino Cooney beautiful Studio Ghibli cutscene in there. It was just like this 3D. Okay, they're not just standing yes. and talking, but uh, not great either. Yeah. Um, no, I totally agree. And then music is serviceable but forgettable, unfortunately. Yes, um, uh, I, I actually thought um, the music um, specifically. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of... Oh, I can't even remember. I wrote it down, too. I just don't have my notebook handy. I didn't... Because I, I felt like I could remember all my biggest points. But the music actually, I really enjoyed. Especially the music starting before the battle, I guess. Something about that was, like, really grand. I want to say it reminded me of Seven Deadly Sins, to be honest. Like, the, the intro to the battles... 
the intro to the battles reminded me of the intro to the battles in Seven Deadly Sins, but I, I could be wrong. I might not be phrasing that correctly, but I actually felt like the music was pretty apt. Like it, it, it felt grand. It felt big as orchestral. It was nice. Um, but yeah, ultimately, you know, forgettable for the most part. You're right. Standard high fantasy. Yes. Totally. Agree. Epic. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But not anything. Like, there's not any bangers. There's no, uh, Garag Plains or yes, uh, totally agree. Breath of the Wild vibe. Yes, like nothing yes. like that. Yes, yes, totally agree. All right, wow. My last question was going to be, "What are your grievances?" But I think we covered that. <laughs> Dude, I'm so sorry. I really <laughs> tried to love this game. I really did, and just the barrier to entry was too big. I'm sorry. All right. Well, that's totally fine. It is. And I am right there with you with a lot of the points that you're making. Um, I think the only thing I disagree with you on is some of that combat stuff. Yes. Because fair enough. I do enjoy those systems, but yep. it's also fair a matter of me having knowledge of them beforehand. Yeah. You, know? yeah. you so make good points, though. You make good points. I'm certain that that plays a factor in it as well. So with that said, the final question. Does Fire Emblem Three Houses, the exclusive Switch title, make it into the Hall of Games? Now, what do you I, think, Jared? I'm going to be generous here. Maybe a previous game would have. Like, like we can, you know, maybe we can find among the 15 or so games that they've made, you know, maybe we can find a common ground in a game that's excellent. It's got good AI battle system. It's got good dialogue. It's got good voice acting. It's got good, you know, character development. It's got good story, everything. But this game was not it. I, I don't know. There's so much potential here and it just failed in, in many different ways. It was very inefficient. It was, um, it, you know, the, the story was interesting, but like cheesy at times. The, the uh, voice acting was great. But the scripts that they made them read were like, I don't know, weak for lack of a better term. And then the combat was not all that it could have been, could have been. And yeah, I mean, story story is great, but again, um, hard to grasp from any one. I, I feel like I appreciate the story more hearing your perspective than I did just playing through. You know what I mean? And so how many times is someone going to spend 30 hours playing through a different storyline just to get a different ending? Very rarely, to be honest, if, if, if we're thinking about it from a practical standpoint. So, you know, I, I just, my answer is no. But again, you know, you are the Lord and master of this podcast. <laughs> Josh, what are your final <laughs> thoughts? Okay, so Fire Emblem Three Houses, I have seen on people's, favorite switch titles of all time right up there with super mario odyssey and breath of the wild yes wow i think those people are the people who played through every single house who checked out every single storyline and who by the end of their experience were able to master it and hone it and get every like that they just squeezed every little drop of juice out of that lemon okay and they're the ones who yep are really probably screaming at us right now uh, and about this conversation. But personally, I'm happy I played it. I'm glad I finished it. It's Fire Emblem. I like me some Fire Emblem. But I think it falls short. I think it falls really short, fairly, fairly broad miss here at what they were going for. 
and it had so much potential. It's got that Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, Persona, yep. Fire yep. Emblem vibe, and it just doesn't yes. commit to any of them. Yes, lots of potential. And it falls flat because of that. So I am going to agree with you, Jared, and say that it does not enter the Hall of Games. And I, I actually was coming in here with a no anyway uh, before we had okay. this conversation. So. Okay. A pass here by Jared and I. It will not be entering the Hall of Games, much to the chagrin of, I'm sure, all of its fans, but Fire Emblem <laughs> does not make the cuts. Yes. And with that, we have reached the end of episode 17 of Bard's Backlog. Thanks for listening. Uh, check out our other podcast, Red Pixel Podcast, if you'd like a more news-focused podcast. That's every week on Wednesdays that we upload that. Um, lots of fun with my wife, conversations yes. on the ins and outs of the industry. As a um, listener, I recommend that podcast, yes. Yeah, try to make it fun. Try to make it interesting. Uh, Karina likes just absorbing what I'm saying and then <laughs> just saying the opposite. Mess with me. <laughs> So that's a great that's a great podcast as well. So check that one out. Drop us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. It always helps. Share with a friend if you think someone uh, is interested in these sort of topics. Please feel free to share. We would certainly appreciate that. And that is it, Jared. Any last word, thought, goodbye you'd like to give? Yeah. No. Uh, not. I mean, I would. I guess I just. I apologize. I really wanted to love this game. I'm sorry for talking and ranting so much. <laughs> it's just that as a newcomer to the series, horrible first impression, if we're being honest. <laughs> so so I, I, I really, I'm being honest, I would am perfectly willing to play any other Fire Emblem game. Perfectly willing. We'll see. Uh, maybe I'll love it more. Uh, we'll see. But um, yeah, this game was a doozy. So that's okay. That's what the Barnes Backlog is for. Indeed, sir. All right. Thanks for listening. This is a video game bard. And don't forget to ally yourself with the winner at the end of the day. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>